1: Good evening everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock here in the UK that's just after 3 o'clock on the east coast of the United States of America and that will become uh, important in the second hour of tonight's show and we have an exclusive IMSA announcement for you and we'll be crossing over to Sebring to speak with Shea Adam uh, for some uh, instant reaction uh, on that as well as a report on the uh, testing that is going on over there Uh, so Gearbox Girl in Hour 2 and before we even introduce anybody else, uh, a few bits and pieces of housekeeping tonight Michael Rennick, uh, apologies for absence, hard at work at a major Atlanta based airline doing aeroplane things Uh, looking forward to the podcast Uh, we've got uh, Richard Parsons, hard at work at a Swindon car plant, I love the way everybody thinks we like the BBC and we can't mention anybody's Uh, uh, any brand names
2: would that be Honda I would think so
1: and I would think it would be Delta that Michael's working for Um, hello to Matt Fernandez who is listening in uh, from uh, dailysportscard.com everybody at Bass Performance who are tuning in as well and uh who else have we got Eddie uh, Eddie Burrisford, Edward Burrisford. a rare listening live to, to do for the first hour we'll try and stay for the first part of the second hour that's when we've got our exclusive Edward uh, can't listen tonight important football match uh, we'll be downloading the podcast for the trick true and from work that would be Sevilla versus Man U one presumes Anthony Hig.
2: there are uh, far more important matches on tonight than that
1: Southampton playing tonight are they
2: uh, no
1: John Langler uh, listening, uh, no apologies for absence there. Uh, Also Rob Chalmers listening live without the distraction of the usual dog-walking nonsense. Uh, Chris Suku, uh, past midnight where he is. I've just finished a long night of meetings and emails. Have a good show, catch up on the podcast. Well, Chris, thank you very much for listening on the podcast. Uh, Alan Prosser reporting from Pyongyang sure he's there uh, watching the men's ski cross very nearly a proper midweek motorsport headline at the end uh, Le Mans wins at Pyongyang he says Pyongchung
2: it. obviously Pyongyang is come out of North Korea and there's nothing sporty happening there it
1: would have been far more interesting if they'd had it there
2: that has been reported at least well
1: indeed indeed uh, and thank you to everybody for the kind words about our work at the Le Mans 24 hours uh, as well, Chris Humphrey says, as I'm on days, I've got tuning fired up for a uh, Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Imzo announcement tonight, counting down the days till Silverstone in the 24-hour series, as are we all. Up in London, you've already heard the dulcet tones of our executive producer, Tim Gray. And on a Pat programme tonight, Tim, we have what?
2: We have all the usual features, plus ooh. a special announcement in special less than an hour's time.
1: Yes, that's... oh, yes already uh, counting down to that world exclusive for that uh, coming up straight after nine o'clock UK that's four o'clock in the US and uh, can you feed the music out because I'd like to, uh, to give a bit of sad news and it, it wouldn't be right to have uh, the music over the top but before we get into the bulk of the program tonight I um, One of the things that Eve and I are most proud about is the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective and how you guys have taken that on as listeners and looked after it and cherished it in the same way that we would do. And one of our family, I'm afraid, has died suddenly. Uh, The Reverend Al Green, as we always used to call him. Uh, Al, uh, a, a great contributor to Twitter on this show and to the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, one of the many members of the worldwide marshalling community who listen to Midweek Motorsport and whose efforts we are always keen to promote and to say thank you for. Uh, The world will be slightly less of a rich place to be without Al, and his considered comments about all types of motorsports, and his enthusiasm for our sport was uh, undoubted. Uh, We pass on our best regards and our sincere condolences to rebecca morrison his partner and indeed to all his family and friends uh, both inside motorsport and the marshalling community and within the midweek motorsport listeners collective uh, and those further afield as well i'll gone but certainly not forgotten uh, his uh, memory will live on uh, here at midweek motorsport sorry to start with some uh, bad news Uh, this evening Um, we'll take a small moment of silence to consider that before we come back with our first news story
0: all the latest motorsport news from around the world midweek motorsport
1: Tim what do we have as our first news story tonight
2: Uh, we start with Things were much better in the olden days. <laughs> news. Uh, so I need to introduce our "Things were much better in the olden days" correspondent.
1: You have no idea how apposite that is, given the chat that we've been having since he arrived at off Towers just after midday today. Uh, welcome to Midweek Motorsport, uh, irregular guest, uh, Brad is thirty seventy eight. It is Joe Bradley. Evening, Joe. Good evening, everyone.
3: Am I representing Nick Damon? No. Well, I did see The Greatest Showman last week, so I kind of feel
1: all ready. Very good. Yeah,
2: do, you, do. Uh, do you want to give us a recitation?
1: Uh, no. No. Yeah.
2: In that case, you're nowhere near Nick Damon. Level. No, I'm not.
1: All he's been saying all day today <laughs> is, I know I sound a bit like an old fart, but... Of <laughs> I am. It, it, it is. It, this is exactly the right thing to have Bradley on. What was better in the olden days other than everything?
2: Joe, do you remember when you first started watching Formula One?
1: That's wait, a good... Talk that,
3: about
2: that, that's
1: this a
3: strange question You don't have to
2: tell me the exact dates, but... No,
3: no, no, I, I do remember, but when I first started watching Formula One, Formula One was barely on TV. Yeah.
2: Yes, you had to go to Silverstone once a year, or once every two years.
3: I had to wait until the Monday morning daily papers came out before you even... Fa- I was just talking about this to hide off mm-hmm. earlier, um... You found out the following morning on the Monday morning from the papers, and I would listen intently to the Sunday evening news on radio. On forget BBC, TV On the BBC. On the BBC. This and, is the home and, service. And was always Because that's very the only radio
2: there was in those days. Yes. That's
3: right, yeah, Radio 1. After the chart show, and then hopefully the announcement would be whoever had won the French Grand Prix or whatever, and invariably it was never mentioned unless there was a no-news day. So, yeah, I do remember those days.
2: What were the... Uh what was the point structure in Formula 1 in those days? Uh,
3: nine points for a win, six points for second, four, three,
2: two, one. And what's the current point structure?
3: I have no idea. 25, 140. <laughs> I actually have no idea. 2 million, I think two, it's 25 for a win, tw- 20, 20 five, for a second, 20, 18, 18 third, isn't, it? isn't it 18 for second?
2: I think point is proven here. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's lots, lots of points
2: back in the days when the point structure for formula 1 was 964321. Yeah. What was the point structure for formula 2? The same. It was. Yeah. And what about formula 3?
1: The same, the same. Yes. Everything was the same.
2: What's going to be the point structure for uh, British formula 3 this year?
1: Is it really British Formula Three, or is it actually British Formula Four, renamed British Formula Three?
2: It's actually British Formula Palmer Audi that yep. used to be Formula Four and is now Formula Par- uh, yeah. Three. Yeah. Uh, two
1: hundred for a win, one hundred and eighty for
2: second. I've no clue. No. Uh, well, the uh, points uh, will uh, be vaguely similar to last year's, except in race two when you'll get a point for every overtake you make.
1: Oh, my oh. God. So, oh, so, tactically then, if you're a drop, teammate, drop them to the back of the field at the at the, uh, at the start, no, and then
3: picking no. your way through. Well, you could c- click up a lot of points. If you and I are in the same team... I'm going to let you buy, you're going to let me buy, I'm going to let you buy, you're going to let me buy, lap
1: after
2: lap. Is it each place that you make
1: up or each overtake you make?
2: I think it's each place you make up. All right, okay. Ah, right. What complicates it is that they are reversing the entire grid.
3: Oh, that's good. That's going to be worth it.
2: Except for drivers who are outside of the 107% rule.
3: And they're what, going to start at the back?
2: Yes.
1: Right. That makes sense. Does the dates of market days at Stockton have anything to do this because, with this, because it does sound insanely complicated. It is
2: insanely complicated.
1: And that's number one.
2: The grid for race three <laughs> will if be... if anybody left. ...will yes. be based on the fastest lap achieved across the first two races combined.
3: Alright. Yeah. So, can you imagine being so at the track you, watching this? If you yes.
2: win race one, but it's raining... And you crash in race two, you're still going to be starting at the back in race three. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Um. And people think, people tell me that endurance racing's complicated.
2: Obviously, Formula Three is not designed for spectators. Well, it never has been. It in never fairness. has been. And it really shouldn't be. Um, so. Uh, So it's not one that uh, uh, we should be particularly worried about. Um, Uh, As long as the clerk of the course and the championship Mm. coordinator uh, and the timekeepers know what's going on, then I think certainly by Monday morning we should have a good result.
3: Mm. Can you imagine by the final round, though, and you're trying to sort out who's going to win a championship if you're covering it? I mean, it's just... I remember Formula 3 when it was proper Formula 3, when it was the stepping the, the, the two rungs away from a Formula 1 drive back in the halcyon days of the you know, some are, some would argue that the halcyon days of Formula 3 were the late 60s the the, the Formula 3 screamers the kind of stuff we see at historic races um, but I particularly remember fondly, late 70s, early 80s you know, people like Tommy Byrne Senna, the Senna Brundle battle in 83 um, that was just that was just a phenomenal season of Formula Three. Innovative engineering, very, very, you know, creative engineering came into it. And uh, it wasn't out until a bit later that we uh, we had the when everybody went to the, the, the best chassis, which was unfortunate, really, because uh, we lost the competition, the competitive element from chassis makers. Uh, but that was that's the way it goes, isn't it? In some sort of uh, in,
2: Indeed. in like that. it's all down to money.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, let's move on and play this jingle.
1: That's uh, also appropriate for Bradis, of course. That's Crown Court, isn't it? <laughs> Is that Crown Court, is, I think that is
2: Crown it Court. Is Crown Court,
3: yeah. You're not going to mention my recent case, eh?
1: No, no,
2: no, I, no. I, don't, no.
1: I, I think that's probably still embargoed,
2: unless it has a motorsport. Uh, uh, Everything
1: Bradley does has motorsport to do with it, it does he? Uh, yes, yeah. uh, hello to Edward Burrisford, who's listening live uh, today, by the way. Oh, we mentioned him earlier, I'm sorry.
2: Anyway, carry on. What was so? Who's been in court? Uh, well, still, it's Vijay Malia. The case right. continues. Right. Uh, Hang on there.
1: Here's our court. See, I've always wanted to do this. And at it was at Westminster Magistrates, this, wasn't it? It's still
2: going on at Westminster Magistrates. And this is a magistrates' court trial that's still going I on. I know,
1: I know. And at Ma- Westminster Magistrates for Midweek Motorsport is our court correspondent, Tim Gray. Uh,
2: still a month away from a likely ruling on this. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: th- th- sorry, can, we just ref- can you just refresh my adult brain? Th- is this the... Um, deportation petition? No. Right, what's this then? Uh, This is... I was going to say that wouldn't happen at a magistrate's court necessarily.
2: This is uh, the um, uh, money laundering. um, Alleged money laundering. Alleged money laundering.
1: (laughs) Nothing to do with Ladbrokes though, eh? Uh,
2: Involving Kingfisher Airlines. Ah, right. uh, Who leased a number of Aircraft from uh, BOC Aviation in 2014.
1: Um, so that is th- that is still going on.
2: This is still going on. Uh, Malia is just one of 53 people who are facing prosecution. Or well, in the same trial, the Prevention of Money Laundering Act 2002.
1: In the same trial at Westminster Magistrates Court.
2: Uh, I no. think there may be several trials going on. I was going to
1: say, that would be extraordinary <laughs> for a magistrate's poor little court reporter would know what <laughs> to do. They've hired the court solely for their purpose. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: The bad news is that we may not get to report on the outcome of this.
1: Why? Have they made it sub judice? or No, but
2: we obviously only report on motorsport, and Vijay uh, uh, Malia may have no further involvement in motorsport by the time this trial comes to a conclusion.
1: Because he's trying to divest himself of force. Is it? It's called Force now.
2: Uh, it's still called Force India. Oh, right. uh, on really the basis it. that he seems to have been a little um, premature. No, uh, otherwise engaged, and hasn't actually got round to renaming the uh, or getting the team name uh, approved by uh, the other Formula One teams. Ah, okay. Uh, but yes, Force India is uh, about to be sold. To whom? A rich Energy.
1: Is that a name
2: or a company? This is a company. All right, it not Mr. Richard name, Energy it? then. <laughs> Ooh, would be a great name, wouldn't did,
3: it? Did uh, Tim just say to the agreement of all the other F1 teams? If yes. he changes his name. So you've got to have the ah, oh, because then you're not a new team. You're you're a yeah right. All oh, right, okay. I just thought if, if all the other te- no, I don't like that name. No, do you? No. Do you? Nah, let's not let them. Yeah, we're not having that.
2: Uh, what do we know about Rich Energy? Nothing at all. Nothing. It's a premium and innovative British energy drink, painstakingly developed and optimised over the last six years with leading beverage experts, and recently launched in the UK and US. Right. The sole objective was to create a peerless, ultra-high-quality energy drink with none of the downsides of the competition. Right. A crisp, clean taste and high performance.
1: They're ready to fork out... £200 million. Pounds, Pounds, that is.
2: That's pounds. Yeah. On a Formula One team.
0: I've only had branded my
3: mother's recipe for an energy drink.
1: Well, I'll tell you now, they're in big trouble because they've got a skunk as one of their ambassadors. Rob Lee is one of their ambassadors, who (laughs) used to play for Newcastle. Uh, West Ham Ladies Football Club are all ambassadors.
2: The boxer Gennady Golovkin...
1: I, I, I went past that
2: because I wasn't sure how to, to see it. <laughs> uh, Toby Sowerby. Sowerby. Uh, Sowery, sorry, yes. He's a Formula 3, a uh, former Formula 3 driver. He's now winning races for Lamborghini. In the Super Trofeo. <laughs> yes, which is uh, all Lamborghinis. Uh, I believe anyone who wins races in that series is uh, winning uh, in a Lamborghini.
1: Yes.
2: Uh, Jim intre- Walker,
1: a uh, motorcycler.
2: Uh, yes, North West 200. And Special Ottoman Forces veteran TT. as well. Top bloke. Uh, as well as sailor Alex Thompson. And uh, did I mention Gennady Golovkin? You did. Yes.
1: Phil, you missed uh, Phil Campion, who's another SAS, former SAS soldier.
2: Not one who's uh, taken up most bike racing there.
1: No, he's no. Uh, founder of the Born Fearless Boxing Team, who um, are also all... Ambassadors, I think we've talked about Rich Energy enough now, haven't we? Yeah. Does this mean? Can I just say, does this fit with BWT, the water treatment company? Is that does that continue or not? Do we not know?
2: Uh, I haven't seen the uh, Force India livery this year.
1: Well, you know what happens when you drink a lot of energy drinks. you, yeah,
3: need, you do you need your, your s- water
2: to be treated. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Well, in fairness, um, Rich Energy uses pure mineral water and premium ingredients, so maybe there's a nice little. Um, Tie-up synergy, very good. Sure, marketing term.
2: Uh, should we play a little game, or should we wait for Shay? Uh,
1: let's wait for hour two and Shay. Okay. Uh, so G now, Bradley, being the uh, everything was better in the olden days, um when horses and carts were around. When I was a boy,
2: and you didn't have energy drinks.
1: When we didn't have an energy drink was a cup of coffee mate or a can of Coke. That was an energy drink. Tizer. Tizer. Iron brew. Tizer. Tizer. There you go. Lucas. Lucasid would, would have been an energy drink, mate.
3: Or boiled lemonade.
1: Boiled lemonade.
3: Whenever you were ill, your mother, or at least my mother did, would fizzy I was lemonade. Say, why was my mother boiling <laughs> yeah. your stuff for you? <laughs> fizzy <laughs> fizzy lemonade brought to the boil, hot fizzy lemonade. You know, like sort of seven up for our American listeners. Um and it obviously
2: had lost, it, it, lost its fizz. Yeah,
1: you boiled it, lost its fizz. So it's just a
3: sugary it. drink, and, it, it and there was of lots of sugar in those days. It had lots of sugar, and it obviously made... it didn't
2: have any lemons in it either.
3: No, no. very little lemons. No, Villa. When Villa, I was remember Villa Pop, Villa Pop, right. Villa pop fizzy pop,
1: boiled. Do you know be, you why you it know? was called? Villa? this is uh, this is exceedingly gnomey about Sunderland. Villa also Pop was a a, a a local, very very local. Uh, fizzy Pop Soda Pop Company, and it was called Villa because their their factory was built on the site of an old villa which had its own ah, well. Ah, yes, which is where the they from. got the water from. Yeah, absolutely true. I've heard that to, story before. They used to come around with the the old Bedford lorries. Yeah. And you gave shout them, out the window. You gave them your old bottles back, and they gave you your dandelion yeah, and bird. Absolutely. Yeah. Cream soda was my favourite. Oh, by too sweet. Anyway, uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. at safe, he's 13. So uh, Pop was better in, back in the day, yeah. Pop was yeah. better back in the day. Uh, Who, who's
2: been criticising Formula 1 this week?
1: Everybody. Oh, Nobody. Bernie Eccleston.
2: 73, a 75-year-old German. Uh,
1: uh, Dieter uh, Matthäusch.
2: He's Austrian.
1: Right, OK. is oh, Austrian as well, isn't he? Uh, 75-year-old
3: German. Oh, uh, no, uh, Nicky Lauder. No, oh, he's Austrian. He's Austrian. <sighs> 75-year-old German. Wow. Angela Merkel. <laughs> that was Not cheap.
2: 75. <laughs> Come on, then, tell us. Go on. Willy Weber. Willy ah, Weber. Really? Yeah, okay. I bet you're thinking, whatever happened to Willy Weber? Yeah, yeah did he
3: play, who did he play in golf for?
2: Yes, he's absolutely. <laughs> he used to manage people, didn't he? He did. He, he did, managed yes. both the Schumachers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he thinks that uh, Liberty is going the wrong way with Formula One. Uh, he used to manage Nico Hulkenberg and Timo Scheider as well. This ugly roll bar ruins the cars.
3: You know what? You know what? I've got to say, I've been looking at the uh,
2: catching up on the
3: on
1: the launches this week of the. Joe, F1 Joe Bradley effectively is our reserve f1 correspondent kind so of. normally he stands at the back of the garage with a um an rc racing t-shirt on and a pair of headphones that's right yes yeah. and I've, uh, clearly, now he's had to step in clearly no role um yes this is where you'll hear a lot of sense spoken about
3: oh f1. um i th- you know looking at the launch photographs mm-hmm. i'm already over the halo they it's kind of i'm over it yeah it's like
2: You can barely see it, really. I know. It's
3: I've never. It's not something I've noticed. I mean, especially. What I've f- not seen yet
1: is a picture of a car with a driver in it with the halo. I would
3: love to see a picture of the current cars without the halo. Just. No, no. I want to. It. I want to see a car with a driver. With a in driver. It. In. You're hardly going to see the driver.
1: Well, you can hardly see the driver. You can hardly anymore.
3: see the driver now. Yeah. I mean, the, the head doesn't move. You you can't really see. You know the the the, the levels of, of forces that are being the drivers are being subjected to. Um. But I'm already over the halo. I'm looking forward to this. I think the cars look fantastic.
1: You're her religion.
3: Yeah. Mm. I'm a big Martini livery fan, so I think the new Williams is looking fab.
1: Not allowed to say they've got paid drivers, though. Apparently, Claire doesn't like that.
3: Really? I mean, are we really talking... I mean, in F1, how far do you want to go back? We've had paid drivers since...
1: uh, Got the quite Marcus shirty, de Pitago, you know, kind of thing. He got quite shirty.
2: long time ago. Yeah.
1: Got, got quite shirty with people who suggested that they had two pair drivers. There's a, yeah, but that's the part, that's part of the business you don't talk about, isn't it? I mean, well, as I've said before on this program, define what a peer driver is. Absolutely. You know, somebody who brings in a sponsor and effectively has the sponsor pay them,
2: or is. even who isn't paid by the sponsor but is paid directly by the team. Yes,
1: but has brought the sponsor. What we
3: mean, Tim? That that would be a driver that you're paying. What
1: we mean? No, no, is no, no, dri- no, no. But but if you bring a sponsor in, yeah, that's and, right. And then the team pays you out of that sponsorship. Oh, I see money, what you mean. Right? Yes, yes. Define peer driver. If well, I
2: if I go to uh, Claire Williams and say next season, I would like you to uh, employ John Hindhoff as one of your drivers. Yeah. Uh, She'd say I'd like we to can't spon- afford him. I'd like obviously, to sponsor, I'd like to sponsor your team, and I'll uh, cover his wages.
3: Yeah, that's how it works. Is yeah.
2: John Hunter a pay driver?
3: Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course, absolutely. Maldonado was a paid driver. He's a salary. Ma- yeah. Maldonado was a brought money. Yeah. There's a. I mean, how far do we want to go back? You know, there's. A,
1: Didn't Massa dr- bring some money the in the? In the, uh, the, the Saudi Arabia. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how far do you want to go? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that we probably don't actually know. There'll be a lot of
1: Well, as I've said in the past, just because a team is not paying a driver directly doesn't mean... um, And, you know, just because a team isn't paying a driver and a driver isn't necessarily paying a team out of his own pocket doesn't mean that there's not some form of financial agreement. For example, um, you know, Parmalap, put money into a team and that money effectively goes on the side of the car he's an example you've mentioned parmalat parmalat was on pedro dinez's
3: car it correct was. and the reason why ped parmalat exactly was right. on pedro dinez's car is because pedro dinez's family owned the brazilian equivalent of sainsbury's so a and huge there, was, there was a ship. huge contra deal going on We're mm-hmm. yeah. we're out of sight of formula one yeah. and when, that's when why you they say were the
2: contra deal you mean money laundering don't you
3: no, no, it's not no, money no, laundering. No. It's Parmalat want their product in the Brazilian Sainsburys or the the Dineth, uh, supermarket chains in Brazil.
1: So they will hey,
3: hey let's come up let's let's come to something more more. So pay, pay for my kid in in Formula One or Formula Three or wherever. It's Nigel 12.
1: Mansell in IndyCar, Target was on his car. Right. The smaller sponsors like uh, Energizer batteries, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Gillette, etc. They pay they were they were subsidizing the Target uh
2: sponsorship to get Oh yeah, um, Target actually put no money into that at all. Correct. Didn't they? It was the, all uh, people who wanted to have prominent shelf positions. Exactly. Within Target. End yeah, of end of go. aisle there on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, there it is.
1: Uh, Alright, then uh, uh then obviously we aren't allowed to ask you to pay for that, but if you would just put five million dollars into our IndyCar programme we'll put you on the side of Nigel Mansell's car. Oh, okay then. It, it's throughout motorsport no there's no and there's no so, 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 process so sorry there protocol my, my point here is not that whether these are or aren't uh peer drivers whether it's right wrong or indifferent because that i i don't have a uh, i don't have any kind of feelings on that at all why is claire williams so anti people saying that they've got two drivers who are paying to be in formula one it's not the first time that Williams have had two paid, paying drivers absolutely not but I think for some reason
3: this cl- in this close season they've taken a lot of flack for that and I, mm. I really can't understand why they're taking any kind of criticism for that because that's that's how the business works and they're not doing anything that they haven't like you said that like they haven't done before they're not doing anything that other teams are doing um, this is I, particularly, I just can't understand why partic- there's so much attention to it
1: yes this is particularly uh, about Sergey Serotkin, um, and she says it's nothing new that in F1 drivers come in with money, and thank goodness they do. Well, yeah, exactly. So,
2: moving on. Yes, okay. Uh, two of the uh, launches we've seen this week have come from Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo.
1: Yes.
3: Doesn't that Alfa Romeo livery look fabulous? Is there not quite enough red
1: in it for? For, for no, the alpha. car should
3: be completely red, John. Dark red? Yes.
2: Dark, that, that red. That Alfa
3: Romeo red that you see on the Sauber. Oh. By the way, what are we calling that? Is that a Sauber Alfa Romeo or an Alfa Romeo Sauber? Yes, Alfa Romeo Alfa Sauber. Ah, oh, brilliant. Love it. Let's drop the Sauber. <laughs> I remember the Alphas back in Marlborough colours and, and then that big, huge red thing. When was that? 78 or something. Anyways, I digress as I do. Um...
1: I've had I'm, this all I'm, day I'm surprised
3: they haven't rebadged the Ferrari engine in that car as an Alpha because Alpha's part of the Ferrari family.
1: Give it time. Do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to come, hasn't it?
1: We were talking about this team, weren't we? What a couple of years ago, when we thought that Haas actually might have a Ferrari engine rebadged Alpha. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's
3: great promotion for Alpha Romeo to be back in Formula One.
1: Uh, it, it'll be. In, I, I'm very interested to see how they sweat that asset and whether that filters down to the the, the individual territories of Alpha Romeo. Have Alfa Romeo got enough money to buy Sauber and be, you know, like
3: a B team, a, B, a Ferrari B team? Haven't uh, they already done that? Do you think so? Are they Are not just a sponsor then? Because in the same tone, we're about to talk about Aston. Now well, Aston are clearly well, a commercial sponsor. Th- let's
2: see, they're, they're, they're a sponsor, they place drivers there and uh, effectively they put the engines there because... It's uh, the same company.
1: Yeah, so it is effectively a B team. But it's a huge marketing opportunity no, for what
3: them. I mean is buy Sauber out, lose the Sauber name completely and become Alfa Romeo and manufacturer Don't to forget what Tim's
1: just said about people changing their names and who's got the entry and whether they would be liable for any money, etc, etc, etc. Did Sauber earn any money last mm. year out of their positions uh, By Formula
2: finishing uh, last, yes, I did, but right. only because there weren't enough teams for the eleventh right. place team not right.
1: to get anything.
2: Yep. And obviously, that money is not paid until the end of this year.
1: Yes, correct, because they've got to do the full next season, haven't they? That's one of the vagaries of Formula One. Hmm. Um, mm, okay, I mean, we know a little bit about the Aston. Well, that's thing, that's very different. That's right, because Andy
3: Palmer was on the show um, when that was announced, and that's. I think that is were. a branding De- uh, and uh, technology transfer deal. Yeah, and didn't he say that they were waiting for the new engine regs to see to make a decision on the, as to whether they were going to become an engine supplier?
1: As are a number of, t- of yeah, manufacturers. Yeah,
3: I would imagine so. They've got to change the regs to allow that. They've got to. Nobody's going to allow it,
1: Joe. Well, as Ferrari we were saying on this show, on. Um, as we were saying on this show recently, um, a couple of three weeks ago, when. Um, it was suggested that they went to one turbo to save money. Everybody said, well, that's not going to save us any money because we've got to redesign all the engines, so that will cost us a whole load of money. And if we have to design a brand new engine that lasts three and a half seasons, or whatever the, the new thing is, um, then that's going to cost us money. And also, don't forget, if they open... Effectively, open the engine regulations up, it will mean the current engine manufacturers have fewer teams to sell to, and they do sell engines and they recoup some of their costs in that way, or they use it as a lever, as Ferrari have done with Sauber, yeah, to put that drivers in, etc. etc. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, who crashed the brand new uh, Aston Martin uh, Red Bull yesterday?
1: Oh, was it Daniel Ricciardo? It was. That Where expli- were they testing? That Silverstone,
2: explains, in the rain. That
1: explains um, why um, the guys at Sunset and Vine didn't get an interview with them. Then. <laughs> what do you think of the new Red Bull livery? I This is the ref- blue Red Bull it's livery. It's the white and blue. It's the blue, well, black they, they, and white They've thing, had that on a can before. They did a limited Have edition they? that was sort is, of that colour. Is that just a test livery? Are they going to go uh,
3: back to the
2: There you go. No, they were doing a lot of uh, filming for the rest of the season yesterday. Mm. It was a filming day, not a test day, so... Yeah.
1: Uh, it's, it's, and I the Daniel Crash as well.
2: Uh, yes. There is footage of it. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I think they actually tweeted uh, some of that footage.
3: I find that refreshing. It's it's nice to see, um, what, you know, we, you'll be able to look back at the 2018 season, picks off that car and go, that was 2018. Well, um...
1: I, I'm waiting to
2: see... Yes, because the last seven Red Bulls look exactly the same. I
1: know, I, that's what I mean, Tim, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see what happens with Scuderia Toro Rosso and how different they are, because they were, they've been hard to tell apart. Well, a years.
2: picture of the uh, 2018 uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso was leaked today. Mm, really? Somebody broke the embargo. Yeah, I saw that somewhere. It's been a day for that, hasn't it? And do you know who it was?
0: Oh,
2: don't. It was Scuderia Toro Rosso. It was. They, <laughs> uh, oh, really? <laughs> they accidentally tweeted it early. Oh dear! Somebody got the time zones wrong. Uh, days early. Oh really? Yeah.
3: They probably they probably had wind of someone about to do it and probably beat them to it.
1: No, probably somebody put the wrong date into Tweed Deck. Ah, it's easily
3: done. Or
2: somebody done. didn't realise that the livery was embargoed. And yeah. Oh, were... le- this is a really arty shot from Ah. Uh, <laughs> it's got a car in it.
1: Oh dear. Uh, and it's blue and red. It's Advice.
2: like last year's. There's no yes. real surprise in it.
1: All right. Okay.
3: Disappointing. The
2: uh,
4: Renault,
3: no, no surprise for the Renault livery as well. Oh, uh, fantastic. Yellow and, yellow and
1: black. Uh, the Daily Express reporting that uh, uh, Brendan Hartley and Pierre Gassi uh, mm. were both <laughs> driving the car. Uh, filming day at Mazzano in Italy was uh, where the uh, twit pick came from.
2: Uh, what do Valteri Bottas and uh, Fernando Alonso have in common?
3: They've both launched their new helmet liveries.
2: They have. I was oh. not expecting that. Excellent, Bradley. Oh, I'm good.
1: I'm Nick Standing. You've got to
3: Nick really, got that. You've got to raise your level oh, when you're standing for Nick Damon, mate.
1: I, I, you've taken your chance, eh, mate? That I, I really have. Standing at the back of the garage. If
3: only I lived closer. I tell you <laughs>
1: what, mate. It'd be in a real challenge, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, that and the rabbit pie.
3: That's worth driving 200 miles for that any is. time of the yeah, day.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, yes, they've both revealed their helmet liveries today. Except <coughs> they
2: certainly certainly haven't, have they? Because wow. uh, Valtteri deliberately showed us his helmet, whereas Fernando did it uh, again uh, accidentally.
3: Stop it. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, quickly moving on. Nice Nico Hulkenberg has also from launched his helmet livery, hasn't he? Has he shown us his helmet as well? He's shown it. <laughs> Hulkenberg has shown us his helmet. And again, that... Was that deliberate, though? I'm not really sure. I think oh, it just slipped out. Did that just out. pop out? Um, yeah. It, um, it, it matches the car. It's yellow and black. That's the Renault? Yes. Which is mostly Renault. black. Which is black. Yeah, it's well, it depends mostly.
2: which angle you look at it from. Yeah, absolutely. All.
3: Look at it from above, Tim, and it's all yellow,
2: isn't yeah. it? Is it? If you look yeah, at it from yeah. below, it's all black.
3: Yeah. And I've from seen the it from, side. Three quarter, from the rear three-quarter, and side it, it was pretty black. Yeah, it would be, from the side. It's, yeah. it's pretty black. Uh,
1: that's interesting. Uh,
2: what what colour is the McLaren going to be? Orange. Orange. It's got to be orange. It's got
3: to be the... I forget what the technical uh, grade of orange it is. for Papaya. Papi- it is. It's papaya. It's, a, it's, it's what they said it was going to be. Yeah, and it's got to be. It's not... It's hopefully, the. you know... They're telling us that it's going to be the original um, McLaren orange that we were accustomed to. In fact, it's um, recent um, example of it is, of course, Fernando Alonso's IndyCar. That was uh, that was pretty close, if not spot on, with the correct shade of orange.
1: Well, they've leaked a video today. Have they? Yeah. A teaser video released, sorry, Monday, um, a, fi- a fictional night security guard uh, investigating a fictional disturbance, presumably, and trips over the papaya livery cars, including the F1 M7A, M16 IndyCar, and Canam M8D, uh, in the concourse. And they connect to the new MCL33, which is uh, the new nomenclature for that car.
2: Who showed us his uh, helmet yesterday?
1: <laughs> Was that Hulkenberg? No. Alright. Someone else?
2: It was someone else. It was another Formula One driver. His uh, new helmet apparently looks like Ronnie Peterson's helmet. That might give you... Oh, yes. Marcus Ericsson. Ericsson. It's Marcus Ericsson. Yes, good lad. So it's it's all blue with a yellow peak. Uh, it's got a little bit of yellow on the side as well, but it's mostly blue.
3: Good lad, I like that. That shows that shows passion. That shows a that shows he's got the heart, doesn't it? Um,
5: and
2: confirmation that his little brother is going to be is. racing in the uh, British Formula Four again this year. Um, we've just got
3: a. Actually, that is a. Is that a? He's got the name. He's Ronnie actually Peterson got Ronnie on Peterson
2: there. on it. So now but God when
1: God. was that? Because he's done this before, hasn't he? He had a proper Ronnie Peterson tribute helmet that he ran a few mm, a while ago. Anyway, um, and. Uh, so I what I haven't been able to see, yeah, it's it's an homage, it's an homage. It's mainly yellow with the uh, three crowns on the back, uh, uh, with blue stripes. Very nice. Uh, meantime, uh, Leclerc with a red, white, and black helmet with the Alfa Romeo logo on its uh, on the top, of course. Very nice. Now, are they going to keep those all season? That's what I want to know.
2: I think they have to, don't they?
1: Well, they're supposed to. I was looking at an old picture of Formula Vauxhall Lotus and Dario Franchitti, uh, which I think was his first win in the blue number no. seven car. And he had an all-white helmet. <laughs> fantastic. Is that right? Yeah. It's fantastic. It's going back a bit, in fairness. I, prefer, I like a white helmet. Yeah, I mean, no,
3: that's just like, for me, that's an unpainted helmet. I'm trying to think of which famous F1 drivers ran a a white helmet. Um, Helmet Marco's helmet was predominantly white. Helmet's helmet? Um, Helmet's helmets (laughs) helmet was predominantly white.
1: Um, John Surtees?
3: No, no, John Surtees was... Like certain, blue, no, he it? was blue because that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Richie Ginther, didn't he have just a white helmet with a stripe down the middle or something?
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, we're going back some now.
1: Mm. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport uh, Series 13, Episode Number Seven. Joe Bradley uh, is with us uh, here at Hind Towers up in London. Is uh, our executive producer Tim Gray. And heavens above, that's 35, 36 minutes that has gone by it's very, more than that. very quickly indeed, is it? Yes. I looked at my watch, we're, we're it's nearly 40. 38 and a half. Yes, uh, very nearly 40 minutes, yes, indeed. And uh, we'll be speaking with Graeme Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com in a moment. He is not in his usual uh, DSC shed. HQ. It's not a shed. Um... Where is he then? Uh, Has he gone
2: somewhere special?
1: Well, uh, well, why don't we ask him? Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Good evening. Are you allowed to say where you are, Graham?
5: I can't. Exactly. And Would
1: you where... like to Do that. Yes. Where are you?
2: I'm
5: in a travel lodge in Leeds.
2: <laughs> How disappointing! <laughs> she kicked
5: you out then. <laughs> no, 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 no. Though so, oddly enough, I can see from my window. Um, overlooking the fabulous Leeds City Station here, because I'm all about the glamour.
1: Uh, a bar... No, you'll have to say that again. We sort of lost you there. You can see a fabulous what?
5: Uh, uh, I'm overlooking the fabulous Leeds City Station, uh, but uh, right next to it, in my eye line, is a bar named, and I'm
1: not kidding. The Shed. Excellent. There's a bar named The Shed. Excellent. Absolutely uh, brilliant. Um, not a great connection with you uh, in the uh, uh, capital of Yorkshire uh, this evening, Graham. So we'll rattle through a few stories. Matt Fernandez picking up uh, a story from the local Le Mans newspaper, uh, which uh, has made it onto dailysportscard.com, about some changes uh, to the start and finish at Le Mans this year. John, you're breaking
5: up. I'm terribly
1: sorry. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and redial Graham now and uh, see if we can get a slightly better connection.
3: Shall we talk amongst ourselves until that, till we get no, it.
1: It's, it should only take a moment, so we'll give it another go. It's, it, we had uh, some problems connecting with Graham back at uh, DSCHQ a little while ago. I don't think we've got a great connection uh, with them too be honest let's try again graham can you hear unavailable us <laughs> no playing a voicemail to, uh, uh, greeting uh, there um, okay uh, in in which case we'll try and get graham back in just a, a moment or two's time um there has been some uh, lmp1 tests in spain and portugal and we'll try and we'll hold on to that We'll
2: we'll, Uh, we'll have another go, Graham, later on. Okay, where would you like to go now? In the meantime, I'd like to go to Brazil. Right, okay. uh, And do some stock car news. Oh, I I might know this story. Uh, The uh, Pocrati Donoduzzi team. Yes, great name for a team. In the Brazilian Stock Car Championship uh, has uh, signed uh, two new drivers to uh, accompany... Antonio Pizzonia and Julio Campos Right uh, Some of you will remember Antonio Pizzonia uh, From the fact that we mentioned him about 20 minutes ago In relation to Paid drivers in Formula 1 uh, And also when he was a pay driver in Formula 1 uh, Yes they, They've signed two uh, Two European drivers
1: uh, uh, Really? Yes uh, That's not what I was expecting you to say
2: uh, the first one is uh, Ollie Jarvis. Right. And the second one is Jamie Green.
1: Mm-hmm. What? Wow. Sheffield's Jamie Leicester's, Green. Leicester's Jamie, Jamie Green. Green. I knew I would get that wrong. Leicester's Jamie Green.
2: Uh, very funny.
1: Um, that's not the story I thought you were going to uh, tell us because oh. uh, I noticed another driver saying that he was... I think it was Sir uh, Philippe Albuquerque who was uh, saying that he's going to go and drive in Brazilian stock cars as well. That looks like it's going to be a, a decent...
2: Uh, I haven't seen any mention of uh, Philippe Albuquerque, but uh, Philippe Naza...
1: Right, who's he driving with?
2: He's um, going to be doing it, and it doesn't say which team he's joined. Um, who's
1: Who's Barrichello's new team? Your
2: own Blake Blakemolian, there you go.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh, that looks like it's gonna be a really, wow. really good um, a really really good series. In terms of the driver the drivers at least. How uh, we Greg Sampson has said, Why did Graham need to repeat that statement? Clearly he said Mathnut <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Uh, Mr Goodwin are you uh, online with us now and I'm happy... online with you by phone this time That's let's try this. That's much better much better. Let's 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 use the uh, the alternative uh, technology. Um, uh, we'll put aside the talk of Brazilian um uh, touring Cars, uh, cars. Well, Felipe
5: Albuquerque is doing it with uh, Rubens Barrichello
1: Oh, thank you. I didn't make that up, did I not? excellent. no. no
5: it's, uh, t- it's on uh, Felipe's Twitter
1: feed. I thought I saw that today That's exactly what I thought I saw today uh, That looks like it's going to be a decent uh, series. Uh, let's just go back to the story that I was trying to shoehorn in uh, Changes to the start and finish of Le Mans this year
5: You've completely
1: lost me, John Oh, have you not seen this one? No. Uh, Matt Fernandes, I thought he'd gone on to dailysportscore.com, maybe he hasn't written it up yet. Um, they're moving the start line of Le Mans. Oh, are they?
5: Oh, are they? No, no, he's
1: not He's done not with this one. Right. Uh, Bless him,
5: little tinker.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, apparently to make it uh, more suitable for the spectators. Apparently.
5: Um, right.
1: They're moving the start or the finish line. I can't remember which way around it is now. And, that, and that I'm beginning to doubt myself. Um, no doubt Matt will be on telling us uh, about that. Um, however, the major news as far as the World Endurance Championship uh, is concerned is that we've been having some lmp one tests uh, in Europe, in some of the warmer places. Uh, yep. The Aragon... uh, Arragon, um, uh the test and development team from uh, from Yorkshire, from Garforth and Janetta, uh, has had the CEFC TRSM racing team, uh, the team formerly known as Manor, as I'm sure they'll be called all season. Uh, a planned three-day session that hasn't quite gone uh, to plan for at least for the Manor guys. Uh, it's, I mean, I think the straight answer is John. Is this
5: is let's get, uh, they've got the first car uh, out there with a couple of the full season. Uh, predicted full-season drivers, and I gather a couple of others, mm-hmm. um, but this is the first opportunity they've had to get the car in a proper dry-weather circuit test. Uh, all we've seen so far from the first of the two genetics uh, wending their way towards Graham Loudon and co is some uh, time on the Leeds East Airport, so a little bit of straight line and a couple of sweeping turns, but a, a return to straight line. Um, they did, uh, I think, one wet day at Snetton, so this was its first opportunity to actually get any kind of dry weather they running in, so clearly lots of work to do uh, for those guys. And, you know, as always with these things, there's always been niggles that need to be worked out. Um, not the only ones there, which is the good news. No,
1: and this is interesting because it does mean we've got something to compare times to. SMP had their BR1 AERs there and the newly revised, uh, continually uh, updated by Collis CLM. And the times were all pretty much of a muchness, weren't they? 17s, 18s, 19s?
5: Yeah, I mean, basically, I think, again, what you've got to look at here here is how long have these cars actually been uh, out there and running. By Collis, about four years. Um, but clearly, it's a revised package. What we don't know, by the way, and it's a question I have to say until I've just said these words, I've not thought to ask is, are they still running the previous iteration of AER ah, in
1: the point.
5: By Collis? Yeah. So they, they certainly, uh, whilst there's been, certainly uh, our, our friends across in France and in Spain have been coming up with a time somewhere in the 18s for the Bicolus. Now, they did indeed run that car for the first part of the test with no transponder. Mm. Uh, but thereafter, timing screens were available in the carriages. Yeah. So, of course, um, you know, we, we do know roughly what's happened in the, in the following day and a half.
1: And, and let's but just put uh, that in perspective as well, that the last time Toyota were there, on long runs, admittedly, at Arrogant, mm-hmm. on the same configuration of circuit, they were doing 18s as 18s. well.
5: 18s. They were doing 18s, and uh, when we had the uh, last time we had the previous iteration of uh, privateer uh, LMP ones, the Rebellion R1 was doing 21s. Mm. Yes. So substantial step forward, mid 17s at best for the SMP, and very low 19s in the first session for the uh, the first Genetta. So. Um there's an awful lot to come here, John. I'm yes. actually you know what? It's getting pretty exciting. No, it's...
1: it's getting very exciting. It's not a little bit exciting. It's not exciting. Uh, can we can also I just say meant... one thing, John? Yeah, go ahead.
5: Which is there's been a lot of stuff around on the internet over the last week I or so to do, with, yeah, uh, to do with hasn't yeah. Uh, to do with this scandal shock, you know, if you hide data, we're gonna give you stop and go penalties. Um, uh, aiming that, that that point at the LMP1 privateers. That's absolutely no different to exactly what the rules have said and have been um, in place for the whole of the time at the WEC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great.
5: exactly how equivalence of technology works.
1: Exactly, exactly so. Um, uh, something else that came out of that test at Aragon, by the way, uh, Robert Kubica was there and mm-hmm. uh, he tested back in 2016, wasn't it? Uh, In Bahrain, in the Bicolors. And I had a good chat with him after that because he sat behind me on the plane from Bahrain uh, to wherever we flew back to the UK uh, from. I'm sure he was delighted to be sitting having me bother him uh, all all that time. Um, He was... Now, do we know whether he actually did get into the uh, Janetta? Uh, if he
5: if if he did he didn't very long right is a straight answer uh, and sources, you might remember as well sources, john sources
1: uh, sources close to mr bradley says that uh, he he did get in the car
5: yeah, yes uh, if he did he didn't have a very long run right and certainly anybody suggesting that in any way robert's position is secured no. as yet with or you know, anybody else that's 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 sort of not the case as far as i'm aware beyond that you might remember he did didn't he have a second dalliance with the collar guys because I seem to remember the Willie won't he at Monza when yeah. we had the prologue test correct when they had the rear wing failure on the car correct. which is the point at which he walked away correct so you know what I hope he does do something in lmp one I think that would be another great headline uh, for what looks like being an interesting I think that's the right word interesting 2018-19 because there's so many unknowns here
1: um we mentioned Toyota. They were at Aragon um, earlier in the year. Um, I think the end of January. Um, and in fact, they've done a couple of tests at Aragon. Uh, this is their third major test. They've chosen Portimao in the south of Portugal. And uh,
5: better seafood, I think. That's
1: yeah. the main thing. <laughs> seafood, eat food. Uh, lovely place to go at this time of the year. Lovely place to go any time of the year. And highly recommend the uh, Intercontinental on the seafront uh, at. Uh, at, uh, sorry no that's at uh, the other Portuguese circuit Estoril excuse me Estoril yes um, so I'm confusing my Portuguese circuits um, DSC talking to the team and they've, this is not just messing about they're not just out and in laps that's been do- going on no, here. no
0: no no
5: no this is their second 30 hour test um, since the end of last season so they are deadly serious about this one Well, but you know it seems to be a kind of common theme out there uh, that you know they'll just go out there they'll walk it that's not the way they see it no. they're doing what we might in previous years have said john was a very audi outlook to this yeah, very much which is basically let's look at what might go wrong let's drill that let's see what we'll do it's that you know you we, we've seen it time and time again on the on the cans whether it's Lena or h or whatever uh, carl wilson clark the car's coming down the pit lane right this time guys front right corner rear deck
1: yeah
5: and in they go and they work that they send the car back out into the pit lane,
1: and all of their drivers have been there. So, in fact, seven drivers have been there because all yes. six of the full season drivers there, as well as season reserve Anthony Davidson. Um, and and this is the, this is actually quite big news because this is now the second endurance test that Fernando Alonso has done with the team.
5: Uh, yes, absolutely. So it's good that Fernando is actually getting proper time in the car. We know, don't we? That it's high, you know, it doesn't matter how otherworldly your powers, these are not no, the kind no. of cars that are, you know, a mo- take a moment to adapt to. Now, the upside, of course, is that Alonso has actually been driving a hybrid race car already, but it's still not the same kind of discipline. It's not got the same level of systems integration that the TSO50 uh, will require. So it's absolutely right they're getting as much time as possible with him beyond the wheel.
1: We should always be able to tell when. Um who, which one's Fernando? Because I'm told he'll be wearing different race overalls from everyone else because uh, McLaren won't allow him to wear the race overalls with Toyota's oil sponsor, Mobile One, on it. So for the whole of the season, he'll be the, the odd man out uh, in that. There was, a, I think, um, some residual nonsense going on between so he's McLaren. Gonna, he's going to wear Toyota overalls just without any Mobile One decals? On uh, where that remains to be seen. Whether right. he wears Toyota overalls or
3: not, but, I mean that makes so, sense. To be honest, if you've got a, you know, you're already contracted to a, an oil partner who, you know, he's pre, he's he's main. And, and this, is a, this is an argument. This is a point of debate. But his main series, his main series is F1. This is kind of his hobby series, isn't it? It's well, well only for this, this year. Series.
1: Yeah, no. Got no, no exactly. F1 drive next till he, year
3: till he retires and Lando Norris takes his seat in McLaren and he moves into the WEC. Sorry, did I say uh, a hood?
1: Don't forget, McLaren used to be sponsored by Mobile One, and they went to Red Bull. I think there's some residual disappointment ah, right. McLaren. Ah, good, right. Good term, that On that. Well, I was being diplomatic uh, there. Um, we know that there is more than one BR1 LMP1 now, Graham, don't we?
5: What we do. Uh, we have, well, we know there are going to be three, of course, because Dragon Speed's Gibson engine car, which was due to be the, uh, the third SMP chassis, the spare chassis, uh, that will be chassis number three complete. We know that, that will uh, only be with the team you know, just a little bit uh, before the prologue test. But we know that SMP's pair are um, basically complete now because Monaco Auto Salon is underway and SMP and um, BR Engineering have got to stand there and it has a BR1 and a BR01 on it. Mm. Uh, and since the other car is uh, pounding around in its low drag specification, by the way, uh, at Aragon, mm. that must mean that the second car is uh, very soon going to be available for that test program.
1: Uh, Mikhail Aloshin, uh has been doing the most of the work at uh, Aragon. Uh, yep. Igor Rudchev uh, also there. Uh, whilst we're talking about drivers, uh, by Collars driver Oli Webb uh, only confirmed driver, but there's been a, a couple or three others hanging about at Aragon.
5: Yeah, Tom Dillman. You remember Tom from the um, the end of the season a couple of years ago in WEC with Signet Sang Alpine. Uh, we've had James Roster, obviously regular in Super GT and Super Formula, in Ying Lang as well, who's been part of the, uh, the setup. Watch next week, by the way, for another big name joining an already known uh, LMP1 effort. So there will be another big name joining between 18-19 roster
1: In, in a WEC that features a huge amount of big names uh, the Rebellion drivers have been confirmed this week as well and they've got some standout names there
5: uh, Well it's, it's a great uh, six person crew and they're going for one experienced team and one Young Guns team Gustavo meneses Thomas Laron, and, uh, and Matthias Besh in the Young Guns car Delighted for uh, Thomas
1: Laron, really de- deserves that drive
5: Absolutely. But the head turner for me is the uh, Bruno Senna, excuse me, Andre Lotterer, and Neil Gianni yep. car. Now, that, to me, looks like a proper effort if the uh, Orica chassis, the Rebellion R13 chassis and the Gibson engine can produce the kind of required pace. And let's not forget, most important of all, the reliability yes. that has to be right up there with the, the, the challenges to Toyota's crown, if... They get the sums right,
1: uh, and uh, a number of people noticed this when the entry lists were announced. That Lotterer, Yanni, and Seneca will carry the number one this uh, this season in the transition season.
5: It indeed it will, and uh, I'm guessing that's because, of course, uh, they, they at least won a title last year yeah. uh, with the LMP2, and. Let's not uh, let's not forget. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, this is season seven for the F.I.W.E.C. Rebellion Racing have won a title in every single season so far. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, that's a good point. Very good point indeed. Um, the uh, uh, testing well underway. It's quite a, a distance before we see uh, the cars out in anger at Spa. But we have got the um, the prologue before that, Graham.
5: Yet another thirty-hour test, John. Yeah. So that's a di- different format this year. Continuous running over those couple of days, and uh, judging by the rapidity with which the Airbnbs are actually leaving, <laughs> the uh, it, it looks like uh, certainly most of my regular kind of hotel haunts at uh, poor record are all gone. So uh, clearly, the teams are involved themselves. It's one heck of a long time we're going to be in the South of France mm. with the. Uh, the WC Prologue followed in rapid order by the ELMS, then the Michelin Le Cup Cup um, Prologue test. And then the opening rounds of both the Michelin Le Cup and the ELMS with its 41 car grid. Ah,
1: sounds brilliant. Uh, enjoy Leeds, Graham. Thanks for joining us tonight. And thanks for getting over the, uh, the technical problems. Cheers, mate.
0: Cheers, guys. Please report any unattended bags to a member of, oh, hang on, <clears throat> wrong script is Midweek Motorsport and still to come.
1: On tonight's programme, so that's the first time I've heard that one. Uh, on tonight's, well done Mark, uh, on tonight's show, uh, later on, coming up next in the uh, the second hour, we will have uh, that exclusive. More of your tweets, please, to at team. And Joe Bradley looks back on the good old days Horses and carts, trams, all of that still to come in the second hour of tonight's show. Shea Adam will be live from Sebring International Raceway as we catch up with the first uh, IMSA or the latest IMSA test uh, and uh, almost 40 cars uh, lining up to do battle with the bumps of the Sebring circuit. Uh, Shea Adam to come uh, in this second hour of. The program. Quick reminder as well that we're back on the air with the Torah Radio Show at eight o'clock tomorrow night. Worth a listen as well here on RS One.
0: Midweek Motorsport on RS One.
1: Uh, but now, with the time at exactly nine o'clock in the UK, it's time for our exclusive. Um, this was recorded early last week, actually, but uh, we have been. Uh, we were asked by the team to uh, to respect an uh, embargo. Um, in fairness, the embargo is half an hour's time. We've been given special dispensation uh, to uh, to run this uh, ahead of that. And uh, so we're, we're not breaking any embargoes here. That's very important uh, to see it. Uh, and the full story coming up uh, in a moment or two... Um, this is all about C.J. Wilson and his 2008, or his racing team's 2018 plans. As I said, spoke to C.J. on the telephone early part of last week. and um, Before we got on to the exciting new developments for C.J. and his team in 2018, the obvious first question was, why weren't you at the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona?
4: The uh, the challenges of putting the budget together at the last minute and wanting to do it the right way mean that you know we don't want to go off uh, kind of half baked. You know we're just about ready to announce why that why we why we weren't at at that race uh, in Continental from the
1: end of one season to the beginning of the next as a team owner. To get a new car to the Raw, which you've got to do before you go to the Rolex 24, potentially if you've got a brand new car that needs homologating, you've got to get that to Daytona in December. It doesn't leave you a lot of downtime, does it?
4: No, that's the thing. Like You really have to be at least, I would say, six to 12 months ahead uh, with as much of your stuff as possible. And the stuff that we're working on right now, we've been working on since probably April of last year, so... It's um, it's it's always a challenge when for, for us as a growing team, you know, we've established ourselves at the lower levels, but we're trying to move up forward to the yeah, the big boy races. And, um, and and it's a lot more expensive to run the big boy races. So you need to get the business side of it a lot more buttoned down.
1: You're sort of getting on towards this exclusive announcement that uh, you're honoring us by uh, by a by uh, revealing here on on midweek motorsport so I'll, I'll put the listener out of their their misery and ask you the question when are we going to see uh cj wilson uh, racing back and what are you going to be racing
4: um well we will be racing in gtd this year uh we're gonna we're we just picked up a car recently and uh we're ready to roll out at uh, at the uh, Sebring test officially, um, which is going to be a good one for us because obviously Sebring is bumpy as it is. You're going to learn a lot about the car. Uh, we we are going to be running the uh, the Acura um, NSX, which is a pretty cool program that HPD has allowed their uh, their factory team to run for a year and, and really kind of shake the car out and, and test it, and then we took you know took advantage of some pretty favorable um, situations by letting them do that and doing some research and you know this is kind of an interim year for us and we're going to see how it goes with the Acura and then make our decision on 19 as soon as possible. Uh,
1: Why now to step up to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in in GT Daytona? Why, Why is now the right time to do this? You and I have talked about this many times at very Many races, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night at Daytona. And you've said you would only do it when it was right. So why is now the right time?
4: Well, you know, I think part of it is, number one, uh, we've established a very consistent platform in the GT4 level, you know, and coming off uh, ST and having some momentum. I think we looked at it like the GT4 situation this year was... Not really going to be conducive for us to stay in in our in our Caymans. They uh, they've been getting kind of regulated out, and there there's going to be a new Porsche that debuts next year in GT4. Um, and we didn't really want to spend the money on the upgrades to have a potentially not competitive car as as we're seeing, um, uh, you know these like the Audi and the the Mustang. And the Camaro and the uh, Mercedes all come with completely more spaceship type cars than the, the, the little club sport that we started uh, GS with. So we felt like, hey, if we're going to go in, you know, and spend X amount of dollars, maybe we're better off spending that in GTD and getting our feet wet and taking a real run at this and, and being where we want to be, which is having a chance to compete with uh, the best teams in the in the Western Hemisphere. Uh,
1: and how important, well, I, sh- I should ask you, what's the schedule? You've, you've missed Daytona, you're at Sebring. What are you expecting to do? How many races are you expecting to do this year?
4: Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of budget stuff that we have in the works with different partnerships. And uh, as, uh, most of our budget comes from business to business programs. I, as, as we grow, and I think as we show up and that we're serious, I think more people are going to be on board with us. Um, you know, to to help us keep going. But we're definitely doing Sebring, and we're definitely doing Petit Lamont, but we have to figure out if we're going to be able to do Laguna in between, which I would love as a West Coast race close to my home. And then, uh, you know, going to try to do Watkins Glen as well because it's close to where, you know, mm. Till uh, lives. And so Till and Mark will be in the car together, and uh, we have a couple – different options for third drivers it just sort of depends on on how we want to balance out the uh, balance out the roster and, and the finances uh,
1: how, how important is it to have from a business point of view to have someone like Til bechtel uh, on board this is not a works program you're not allowed works funded programs now in in gt daytona so i, I mean i presume this is a business decision as much as it is a racing decision
4: yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're also by by doing it this way, we're also kind of dipping a toe in the water. You know, the the most expensive part of the year is is the, the roar and the Daytona test. You know, and then a lot of teams pre-test before the roar to really get the most out of the car and all that. So, I think you know we're we're a little bit behind in the sense that we don't know the car as well as a lot of these other uh, teams, but at least our car is developed. And, you know, between real time and, uh, shank the last two years, you know, uh, you know, if you look at that cumulative data, they've put a lot of, they've put a lot of miles on these cars and they've figured a lot of stuff out. So, uh, HPD has been very helpful with that. And, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't change my personal relationship with Porsche or any of the other brands I've worked with. It just, you know, the race team until felt like it was a, it was a time for us to get out of, out of the GT or, uh, the GT four spec, because, um there's just it just seems like there's a lot more sophistication to the BOP and things like that that allow more manufacturers a, sh- a shot to win in um in GTD
1: is this a golden era of of IMSA racing and a, and of endurance racing in general CJ particularly for for what might be called gentleman drivers like Till
4: Well no I feel you're talking about gentleman drivers you've got to call it the bronze age right you can't oh, very it the... good. Very good. So, um, you know, that's that's the that's the real challenge, though, uh, is is trying to find a balance between you know how you who you put in the car and and how you get that car on the track. Um, I think, you know, with the economy being fairly good in America right now, there's a lot of people in the financial sector and the dealership side and various other businesses that are that are looking to expand. And I think that that helps because IMSA is a very fertile ground and the WeatherTech Series is a very fertile ground for bringing partners there and having a chance to, you know, um, compete with the best people and, and have entertaining races at cool venues. I mean, obviously, when you get to go to Laguna Seca or Road Atlanta, um, stay, stay in the Chateau Alon or stay on Cannery Row and, and do stuff there with your partners and your business business associates, that's a really cool way to, to bring racing to the people, you know. And when you go to places like Road America and you go to Seabkins and you go to the, some of these places that racing is sort of part of the culture, I think it gets the juices going a little mm. bit and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a much better deal to be in the big show in GTD um, for that investment. And when you start to really pencil it out, the cost of running a full season of GT4 or running the NAEC, it's like, it makes sense to try to step up to the NAEC for uh, us.
1: Uh, I would presume, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here, but this is a GTD, GT Daytona, GT3, that's a global formula, as GT4 is. Uh, but there's there's a little more flexibility there. And from what you're saying, doing a full championship is perhaps not as important to someone like Till as to ticking off some must-do races, which might be IMSA races. But presumably, you've got to be looking at races outside of the States as well or inside the States and, and outside of IMSA.
4: Well, eventually, yeah. And you know that's the best part about GT3 racing worldwide is you have a chance to really see what the cars do with each other and how they, how they race and, and what what are the various strengths of each platform and stuff like that. So, I mean, at, listen, as a, as a racing tourist myself, of course I want to do the 24 hours of spa or do Bathurst or, you know, the 24 hours of Coda with Cromantic or any of that stuff. And that's, that's the flexibility that we now have by having this car, we can go out there and, and start like, so I'm, I'm actually starting to build a program right now for us to do the 24 hours of Coda. Hmm. So I'm I'm kind of recruiting and seeing who I can get interested in that to see if we can. Fill do you some
1: need someone with a bit? I've got a bit of experience. If that CG, I thought I better get that in early.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you're you've got more you've got more time in that race than I do. So um, <laughs> you know that's that's something that we're going to consider. That's the other thing too is you know for me as a driver. I want to develop, and and it gives me a chance to get behind the wheel potentially at one of the tests or something like that in this car, and then see how I'm stacking up with my training for what you know the how Mark's been bringing me along as a driver as well. well That's so, that was my he's next. He's a global platform. You know,
1: that that so was important. my next. That was my next question. Are we going to see the return to racing of, of CJ Wilson uh, in the in the GT? Three category and if so, where would you where would you potentially do that if not necessarily in the NEAC, would it be something like the twenty four hours the the hancock twenty four hours of, of of coda
4: yeah I'll do coda this year um I think mm-hmm. that's a good you know in the sense that I, I know the track and I'm familiar with the, that and I think by that point we'll have the car really ironed out good. and you know and it, I'd rather step in step into a development car than be the test monkey at that point because I don't think I have the skills yet behind the wheel to necessitate me being the, the the test monkey but um you know that being said i'm going to campaign and, and tell Andres that i want to get get out there and burn some tires off on the car <laughs> um the uh the, for me personally you know i've been doing a lot of shifter carts lately and and you know i felt like last year in imsa was a good experience but i'm definitely not going to commit to doing imsa again just from the fact that you know as a as someone that's got more responsibility running the businesses. I, I can do more uh, harm than good by being away. And um, I need to focus on the sustainability of the whole thing. And, I, you know, by, by sneaking off for a weekend to do shifter carts for, you know, a couple hundred miles at a time, mm-hmm. that that gives me a lot. With Mark, who is a, you know, a real uh, international level go um when we train together and we're out there running at the same time, then I get more out of that. And it's a much, much I would say more cost-efficient way of doing it as fun as driving GT cars is I've already done it. So I don't necessarily, I'm not in a rush to go do it until I'm, I'm on the level that I can go compete for race wins. And right now, um, you know, I just, I just see, I see that as a, as a diverging thing. So I'm going to probably do some testing in the cup car, um, Here and there, but I'm I'm probably not going to race too much this year in that in that car. You're
1: listening to CJ Wilson. We've just had the exclusive news uh, that uh, CJ Wilson Racing back in the uh, the IMSA Championship in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in GT Daytona with an Acura NSX uh, Till bechtel and uh, Mark Miller, the, the two drivers for a, a limited programme uh, as far as we're aware at the moment, uh, trying to do the rest of the NAAC and some other uh, other races being cherry-picked as well Quarter 24 uh, for, uh, as well on the schedule for this year, if you're just joining us uh, that's the news. CJ, what's it been like um, working with, with H- HPD and, and why choose the Acura, uh, it's a fairly new car. Uh, what's what's the thought process there?
4: Well, I think you know the Acura proved last year that it was competitive. They had a lot of different successes at different tracks, different types of tracks. Um, you know, with uh, Catherine and um, Andy driving, I think they, they did a great job of showcasing the the speed of the car. HPD has always been kind of on the periphery for us. You know, when we were with Mazda, they were talking to us about running ST, and we were always trying to get them to to sort of get us into the Acura program and we had actually um we'd actually petitioned for the, the G T D car, you know, to to do what Shank's been doing. And um when they told us, hey, you guys are we, we decided to go with Shank instead of you guys to run the NSX, I was kinda like, hey, that's okay. You guys are taking an LMP two team and, yeah. and you know, picking them over, over little old CJ Wilson racing. That's fine. But you know, the the process was really nice and they were very transparent and good to work with. And I think that was something that we were we found refreshing. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of manufacturers out there and a lot of choices, but at the end of the day, you know, I think for the success that we've had uh, with a very, you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, uh, straightforward Mm -hmm. process and and without, you know, playing any monkey business with the (laughs) rules or whatever with our cars. um, I think a lot of, a lot of manufacturers see value in that for, for us and for our brand. And, And I think that's something that you know, maybe one day I end up with a Honda dealership. Ideally, that's that's kind of from a business standpoint. That's 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 where I'm at. I see these two um, interests of racing and, and dealerships as a um, uh, as as a as a double benefit. Yeah. And you know, I, I I know the Porsche store has definitely been has definitely benefited from from um, the the racing team exposure and, and vice versa. You know, so. Hopefully, we can find some way to work together with Honda you know, off the track in the future. But right now, that's not in the cards.
1: Um, let's look at some short-term goals and then some longer-term goals. Uh, the test uh, and Sebring itself. Oh, my goodness me, it's a baptism of fire. What do you hope to get out of it and what are you trying to
4: a- achieve? Well, I think the biggest thing is just to get Till comfortable in a uh, you know, modern machine like that because he's so used to driving the historic stuff. And then the GT4, he's come a long way in that. Um, so hopefully this is a step forward and, and hopefully the car with the, the various technologies in it gives gives more adjustability than we were allowed to have. And that was one of the frustrating things about the rule package last year in GT4 was we basically had to declare what springs and shocks and that type of stuff we were going to run. And we weren't able to develop the car at all during the year. Mm-hmm. So the, the new cars that were coming in more developed from the factory uh, we're just better cars than than we had, and I think Till got frustrated with that. So I think it'll be it'll be cool for him to go to a track that he's now raced at before, and drive the fastest car he's ever driven. So hopefully he's comfortable. That's the key. Uh,
1: it's a uh, busy year for Till on his uh, vintage and veteran front because we've got classic Le Mans, we've got uh, Monaco Historic, uh, as well. I, I I know from talking to him that he'll still be uh, taking part in that I also know that the Le Mans 24 hours is on the horizon for him I'm not sure how far the horizon is away as a longer term goal is that something for CJ Wilson to be aiming for as well
4: yeah of course I mean I think though it's very simple to say that Till and I are both very realistic and we both know that as as drivers on the gentleman's side there's zero point in either of us going there before we're ready to to compete you know and Le Mans is his own animal um, after seeing it live last year and being awake for 23 hours and, and <laughs> 20 minutes of the race, um, you know I I, I know what's, what I'm in for a lot more now. It's something that I've always wanted to do, but now I know that uh, there's an essential level of um, uh, preparation, study, and also just general confidence that comes with you know being competitive at that race. So I I, I saw um a lot of different approaches i still think lmp2 is is the the category that i would want to personally do it in just because it seems to be more cost efficient than running gt at le mans but um we're not at lmp program so i I have to figure out a way to rectify the heart the the heart versus the brain on that one
1: um just a a final couple of points then um you mentioned that you haven't got a third driver for uh, Sebring yet. When might we hear that? And is it likely to be uh, a business decision uh, or a competitive decision, or a bit of both?
4: It's always a bit of both. You know, you don't want to go out there and run last, and then and then say, "Well, hey, well, at least we well, at least we broke even." Um, I would rather take a little bit of a risk and 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 go for a better result because at the end of the day, that's what's going to help Till enjoy his his you know, I guess weather tech debut a little bit more. Um Sebring is going to be absolutely a difficult race physically and mentally for everybody. Mm. We're all going to be so excited that you know it's going to be a big deal for us. I know you know Mark obviously has competed in the, at Le Mans, and he's competed in Daytona a couple times so in Petit and some of these other GTD races. So he's he's ready to go and I know some of our crew members have been involved in that with uh you know prior experience but um, I'm going to be nervous the whole time on the timing stand, so I'm just I'm just looking for a good finish and hopefully we uh, we keep the car. I mean, there's no LMP3 uh, LMPC cars, so I think the whole field is is uh, a lot safer this year.
1: That was going to be my final point. What are you going to be doing at Sebring? What is your role do you have one are you overseeing are you calling the strategy what 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 will you as cj the man with his name above the door what will you be doing at sebring other than getting very excited and very nervous
4: i would say you know I'll, i'll be involved in the strategy side of it and just the you know the general um i guess the general oversight you know i'm I have to run a 135-employee uh, ship every day here in Fresno, and, and I've learned a lot of, I guess, valuable organizational skills that hopefully I can take some of the, the burden off of Andres. Um, and, and um, you know, just generally rib Declan as much as possible because he's, he's just too funny to get wound up. But, um, you know, I, I'm really, you know, I think Mark and I are sort of like the emotional guys on the team and Andrus is like the logical guy and Declan's the class clown. So, um, you know, when you put the team together like that, uh, I have to find a way to, to provide that emotional support from a positive stance and, and make sure that everybody's you know caffeinated and hydrated
1: and all that stuff always worthwhile talking to cj wilson and that's an exclusive that you've just heard here on midweek motorsport accurate nsx till Bechtelsheimer, mark miller sebring and some racers beyond uh sebring thanks for joining us I, I know this is business and i know you're busy but does this still excite you does the racing side of it still excite you
4: Well, it's, it's hard because every time I'm on the timing stand or something, I'm always like, Oh man, I want to be in the car. So that's the hard part is, is balancing out the, my, my selfish desires with the, the teamwork aspect. But, um, you know, I've had to learn how to be a little bit more calculating with everything, uh, just because that's just the nature of the beast. And it's, it's helped me out on, on, in a lot of ways, you know, the better I get at the dealership stuff, the better I get with the race team stuff and vice versa. I think, um, I just, I I just, I still have dreams, you know, and those are never going to go away until I'm able to to compete at Le Mans, compete, you know, at Daytona and stuff like that. Uh,
1: We wish you all the best, uh, and pass on our good wishes to Till and to Mark and everybody uh, involved in this. Can't wait to see the car, and thanks for sharing it first here on Midweek Motorsport.
4: Yeah, just wait till you see the livery; it's going to be pretty, pretty funky.
1: Well, let's find out uh, exactly how funky that livery is that cj wilson at straight edge racer cj wilson motorsports speaking to me uh, early last week Uh, and thank you to declan brennan and the whole of the team for trusting us with that announcement Uh, we've done as they asked and sat on that uh, until uh, today you heard the full story uh, of what's going on no speculation required uh, from us tonight from the horse's mouth the man with his name literally above the door it's going to be a limited imsa season plus the 24 hours of Cota for that NSX with CJ in the car for Quota. That's the big news there. Nobody else has had that before we did. Uh, that is the news. Uh, we can now cross live to Sebring in the IMSA Sebring test. Uh, broadcasts uh, from there and our reports from there this week uh, brought to you by Cadillac. She Adam is... Uh, reporting for us, you're standing right next to a forklift truck that's delivering fuel. I can hear it's reversing paper, <laughs> but also next to that NSX. Is it a funky livery?
6: It's about a nine. On the funky scale, I would give it that. Uh, Sort of an olive green top with a black bottom on the bumper, but there's still a little bit of orange peeking through because I'm not sure if it was mentioned, but this is the car that ran in World Challenge last year with Ryan Eversley. So it still has a little bit of believe in orange coming through in various places, but it's a great looking car, John. I, I can't begin to elaborate on the green because it it's not even gloss it's not shiny at all but it still is so attention grabbing
1: i've retweeted uh, the pictures that uh, you have uh, tweeted uh, and we'll have some more from uh, share it's running the 36 uh, and uh, is has the car already been out or is it about to go out yeah
6: No, it's going out tomorrow. Today's running has been for the IPC series for the GT3 Cup cars. And for right now, the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, they have three hours of track time, which is starting to wind down now. So not as many cars out on track, but still a fair few, including a lot of Mustangs that have been going around. And every time that they downshift, there's a very loud popping. So you'll be able to hear that in the background. But everyone in the paddock just getting set up. There's a Mustang now for you. Getting ready for tomorrow's running. because they have 10 hours tomorrow and then eight hours on friday it is a crazy busy schedule best part of the schedule though two hours of night running tomorrow night that yeah. is something that has never happened before and that was in part to our shows last year where people were talking about how useful it would be for night running so score answer radio yeah <laughs>
1: absolutely and she's uh shares sebring shores uh, which are brought to you by uh, Cadillac. Real racers don't take days off. Um, will be on RS2 IMSA Radio later on uh, this week. Uh, I'm, I'm told by Declan Brennan again. Thanks to Dex for setting up that interview with CJ and allowing us, trusting us to have that uh, well in advance of that being uh, being put out to the to the world. Um, I'm told by Dex that that uh, NSX is chassis 007. Uh, brilliant stuff, that. Um, it's, it's quite a... I mean, it's a great story for Imza this year in a, a week uh, where they have good news with how many cars that they have there for that event. And, I mean... Uh, this is, this is just piling even better news on with the, the, the guys from C.J. Wilson Racing coming back uh, to IMSA. And, and, I mean, this is a big step up, though. As I said to, to C.J., this is a big step up for those guys, but a, a step that I think they're ready for.
6: No, completely agree. And the fact of the matter is that where they are in the paddock right now, is next to the p1 motorsports crew another group of people stepping up from a support series last year they ran ipc they're doing that again this year as well but we've got all of these teams where people can look and as a matter of fact they're next to right motorsports as well and they ran in the gt3 series both last year and this year so you can actually see the progression Car to car of who is making the step up into GTV and that the ladder system does work in imsa but as you mentioned a great news week 36 cars running in this test for the weather tech championship that is excellent i mean that that's a, a ginormous field and when you consider we still have probably five more cars that aren't here for the test that are going to be running in the 12 hour have <laughs> an excellent field
1: yeah, and taking, clearly, people taking the opportunity that you don't get very often of doing some long term testing at Sebring. The, the numbers of cars there, I mean, that'll be, a, I can only imagine what the paddock looks like at the moment.
6: It looks like 12 hour week, John. And yeah. the funny thing is that the support series, for the most part, aside from the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, has emptied. Like that portion has already been cleared out. We do not have our trucks from GT3 or the IPC still here. And the paddock is still overwhelmingly full. You've got support trucks off to drivers left immediately coming down the back straight. And then you have all of the big trucks set up with the race cars. And it's to the point where Corvette Racing, who only brought one car, only have one hauler. They normally have three. Well, the extra one that they brought had to be put somewhere else because there wasn't enough space for it. There's so many people here for this test that the paddock is just overflowing. It's a wonderful place to be.
1: And the weather?
6: Oh, my goodness. It is hot, and I am so happy. Uh, 85 degrees as I pulled into the track today. It's expecting to be the same every day, so that's about 29 to 30. Um, It's clouded over a little bit right now, but there is no rain in the forecast. Now that I've said that, of course, it's kind of poor, Um, (laughs) but it's supposed to be perfect And very representative, unlike the roar, of what we're going to have for the race. Because, of course, the roar was freezing and then Daytona 24 turned out to be warm. We're not going to get another cold spell this second week of March. That's just not going to happen. Uh, uh,
1: Are there any uh, other new stories to break? We've uh, given the full story on CJ Wilson's team uh, coming in and and the potential of that car. or not actually uh, the potential, the actuality of that car running at Coulter uh with cj behind the wheel for the november 24 hour race any anything else that you can let us into is there any little rumors that we need to be chasing up on our on share uh, shows from sebring uh, brought to you by cadillac this week
6: not entirely sure about rumors there have been a couple uh notable driver absences we do not have the championship winning and sebring winning corvette from last year running the test it's just the sister car. Uh, no Ryan Hunter Ray with the 10 this weekend. He's busy focusing on the IndyCar prep. But there are a lot of drivers who are already thinking about the fact that the Petit Lamont Fuji Clash is going to be an issue for some people. A lot of people with helmet in hand already trying to strike a deal for the October race. We have had a couple of balance of performance changes, namely, Towards the BMWs, that was a big effort to try and get the M8s a little bit closer to the rest of the field. So a lot of people are very interested to see how that takes effect here at Sebring. Such a different track from Daytona. Um, And we had a couple of GTD balance of performance changes with fuel allotments being added and taken away from a variety of cars. Mercedes finally had a bit of weight taken off of it. And talking very briefly earlier to Bill Riley, he thinks that that should help them. But remember, they won this race last year as well, so they will already be strong. But there's not a whole lot of gossip yet, at least, when people are still offloading their trucks. I'm sure that the gossip will be thickly flowing tomorrow. The first session kicks off, I think it's 9 o'clock in the morning. So it'll be all-day track activity, and I'll be putting stuff up on Twitter and all that. But yeah, those shows brought to you by Cadillac, they will be packed full of interviews. I've already gotten a couple today, and trust me, they are worth listening to. Oh,
1: excellent. Uh, That is tomorrow, 10 o'clock UK time. That's 5 o'clock Eastern uh, for uh, Imza Sebring Test Day 1 highlights brought to you by Cadillac. And our second Cadillac highlight show will be on... uh, uh, That's Thursday tomorrow, isn't it? So that's Friday at the... Sorry, I'm having one of those weeks this week. Uh, Friday at the same time, 10 o'clock in the UK... Uh, Five o'clock on the East Coast, the second day of super-ring testing. Uh, Shea Adam uh, bringing you all of the news. uh, Brought to you by Cadillac, because real racers don't take days off. Uh, Those two shows coming to you. Uh, Tim Gray is up in
2: London. He Uh, is.
1: Do you want me to keep Shea on the line?
2: Yes. Can right. she move away from the fuel tanker? Uh, it's a forklift ah, truck. Forklift.
6: I keep trying to walk away from him and he keeps following me.
2: It's like the prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> like Rover from the
3: prisoner.
1: And there goes there goes another uh there goes another mustache. Is she
3: driving that forklift?
1: Yeah, that's actually she she's to on train. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's she's moonlighting, isn't she, stuff. She's moonlighting, isn't she? Yeah. Absolutely. Um so just a quick reminder as I said, ten o'clock tomorrow and Friday, five yep. o'clock. Tomorrow on Friday for Shea's sebring shores. Easy for me to say. Now there's a
0: reason that we are keeping share on the line here, Tim. It
2: is. And, what is and that? there's a reason why we still have nostalgia correspondent Joe Bradley. Right, Take nostalgia to
0: correspondent. This. Yes. It's the quiz of the week. And now from Norwich,
2: it's the
0: quiz of the week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Have you ever heard this before?
0: And at this week's lineup of prices, we've included this selection of garden furniture a sculptured member of the feline family. Our jackpot prize of the family car in Baltic blue. Plus two fully fitted tricycles. But we start in the garden, and after a busy but satisfying grass-cutting session, you might like to turn your attention to the steaks and chicken legs being cooked on this gas-operated barbecue before relaxing in a comfortable chair with a glass of wine and a good book. But now let's meet the man with the questions and the money.
2: Nicholas Parsons. Tim That's a new one. Yeah. That's a new one in Baltic Blue, that new one. What, they... what family car came in Baltic Blue, John? Uh, that would be an Austin Metro. It would not. Oh! It's a French car with a Brazilian name. Mm,
1: uh, Renault Fuego. Fuego, very good.
2: It's a but Samba. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> Talbot you had, uh, you had a Samba hind In
1: fairness, that's a British car. That was that was a British no, car no. a Talbot Samba. No, no, no. It's a Talbot. It's
3: it's a Talbot French. was a French company.
1: Um It may have been
3: made in Britain, but it was a French.
1: It's part of the,
3: it's it's like saying Nissan's a British. No.
1: It was it was a Peugeot that it was
2: wasn't a Peugeot that Peugeot was Talbot.
1: It was a Peugeot that was shortened. And built in the UK by the UK arm of Talbot.
2: Still French, though. Still French. Um, Earlier on, we were talking about uh, uh, Force India. Yes. Uh, and I've still got Cher, by the way. Yes.
1: She's moved Hi. away from the forklift. She's Hello. Jumped off the forklift. She's jumped off. The p- she's parked the forklift up now.
2: She's delivered all her fuel. All the fuel is done. She's going forward on it, not in reverse.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. We're
2: talking about rich energy who are going to buy Force India, possibly. Yeah. So, I'd never heard of rich energy. No. No. Richard energy. Uh, So, how much does rich energy cost? Who are you asking? First of all... All right. So, this is a deal of the century here. Yes. First of all, Joe, What the how much do you think you would pay... For 24 cans of rich energy um 24 cans of
3: rich energy i'll say 30 pounds oh, okay. shay
2: how much uh, we are talking in pounds uh, here how much for 24 cans of this lovely energy drink 24
6: cans of energy drink uh is it in pounds
2: pounds yes please
6: okay i'll say 49 pounds
2: oh and the winner of the first round is Joe Bradley because it's only oh. twenty-four pounds. I was gonna. I said a can. can. I said a yeah. yeah. can. I
1: said that. Well,
2: the, I was thinking that, but then I thought, well, it'll be more than a pound. Yeah, so Red Bull's about one pound forty. Yeah, now, that's what I was
3: it? thinking, yeah. Tim, and I just couldn't mm. work out the maths really. Mm. Thirty-one pound thirty-three point three 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 recurring. It's probably that was, that was Carry what on. I was thinking. Carry on.
2: Next, two cans of Rich Energy. Beautifully presented with a vial of gold leaf vodka in a black presentation box.
3: How much vodka? A vial. A vial. Uh-huh. A v- um, vial. Uh,
2: so a shot, really. £6. Pounds. Less than a shot. Right. £6. Pounds. £6. Share. £10? Shay's the winner this time. Ooh. It's £40. Pounds. What? <laughs> oh, it's, it's gold leaf vodka. It's gold leaf vodka. <laughs> Wants to be gold plated vodka. Moving on. Uh, for a, a luxury gift box. This is the decider. Two cans of rich energy, beautifully presented with a vial of gold leaf vodka right. in a wooden presentation oh. box. £110, says Joe Bradley. And share?
1: Uh,
6: £71.
2: And Joe's the winner, <gasps> £250. <laughs> includes free delivery.
1: Oh, well, they're good at... So Joe takes the last and deciding. They're going to not... have to up their prices if they're going into Formula One. That is that's nowhere true. near is
2: expensive true. enough. Uh, incidentally, how much? Uh, this is not uh, going to earn you any prizes. Not that right. you had any prizes, <laughs> but uh, how much would you pay for a pallet of rich energy? How many is in the pallet? It's 104 cases. Uh-huh. Sorry, 108 cases.
1: 108 cases. Oh, that's well, 108. Yep. And how many is in a case? Twelve. Twenty-four.
3: Twenty-four. So from somewhere like Costco. Yes.
1: Um, uh, sorry, how many? How
2: many cases? I can't did do you the see? arithmetic. How many cases, Tim? One hundred eight cases on the pallet. One
3: hundred eight cases uh, multiplied by uh, three hundred
2: and fifty pounds. Two thousand five hundred ninety-two pounds.
3: Is that the maths on that one? Is it? Yes. Wow. I wasn't quick enough. That's
2: 2000 How much did you say? £2,592.
3: Yeah, yeah. i up just done the maths. Well, that's still a pound. So there's it no discount. A,
2: there's no discount for buying a whole pound oh, of That's what away. I
3: was thinking there was, you see. It's it was certainly not down to not taking £2,200 of it. Wow.
1: Good heavens. Can we let Shay go now? Because she's got to get prepped for her shade shows from
2: shading. It's not on for more than 24 hours. Yeah, I know, but you know, she's got things to do. She's got to deliver fuel. She's got more fuel She's to deliver. She's got energy drinks to drink. <laughs> uh,
1: Share, thank you very much for for joining. Uh, how is how's your accommodation?
6: I uh, haven't been there yet, but uh, as seeing as I think it's got a view of the racetrack, that should be excellent.
1: Views of racetrack always well received. by no, Exactly. Yeah. Is she really? Well, where were you the last time you went and worked for us? Uh, yeah, uh, well, not the last time, but <laughs> the time before. The one where there was a hotel
3: now. near the track. Yes,
1: yes. indeed. Share, yes. thanks very much indeed. Share Adam, reporting live for us from Sebring. Uh, and uh, that report uh, coming to us courtesy of Cadillac, who will also be supporting Share's Sebring test highlights shows, which are tomorrow at 10 o'clock and Friday at 10 o'clock here in the... Uh, uh, in the UK, that's 5 o'clock Eastern, so uh, Thursday and Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock here in the UK, those highlights, test day shows highlights of the test day uh, shows coming to you, uh, courtesy of Cadillac, and our thanks to them Tim, where would you like us to go for the last 20 minutes?
2: Uh, just to prove that we are live, Football uh, scores? there's a, a minute to go, and it's 2-1
1: Excellent, excellent, well done uh, let me have a quick look on Twitter. Lots of love for CJ Wilson Racing and for CJ himself uh, on the Twitterscape, on the Twitter sphere. Lots of pictures of the cars as well. Marshall Pruitt uh, and Racer Magazine as well as DSC got the full story up. And uh, thanks to them for not jumping the gun. They got the full story. And thanks to Tony Dezino, actually, who mentioned us in his tweet Uh Obviously, listening in uh, there as well. TDZ, good to know you are uh, listening tonight. And uh, keep keep an eye on that story. I'm intrigued. Uh, and that's Joe Bradley. I mean, it just goes to you've met CJ, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it goes, I mean, he's a proper racer himself. He's, he's a sportsman. Oh, yeah. And he's a, proper, he's a proper racer himself. He's got gasoline running through his his blood yeah yeah. that interview that we we recorded i think was it monday last week um monday or tuesday last week um he was actually in one of his dealerships which was the noise you could hear Mm -hmm. behind him cars getting moved around and as the chap he was talking about there when he was saying i'm gonna ask anders if i can go and burn some rubber up that's his business partner that's the the chap who runs the business with him or for him um great news that he's coming back to race at the 24 hours of corner
3: Yes, yeah, kind of. I noticed you were quick to um, broker a deal there,
1: um, wow, working need,
3: feverishly if, if behind the scenes. If got a bit yes. of experience yeah, of the race, knows the track. Solid bronze. He certainly taught me the line round there and mm. uh, the track as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's great. I have him back. Um, behind that, that, the wheel. And, that's, and
1: that's a great race for CJ to jump back into. He's been out of racing for a little while because of his business commitments. It's a very friendly paddock in the, the Kreventic series. And, and it's it's no less competitive than anywhere else. But I, I think you'd find a slightly different atmosphere than if he tried to jump into, say, Imsa.
3: I was about to say, it's great for Creventic,
1: for that's our friends at Creventic,
3: to, uh, to have CJ there in the field. I mean, he's a big, he's a big name in the United States because of his uh, sporting background. Um, but yes, I think... We could very I, I think that will suit CJ. It's intense racing, it's mm. serious racing, but with a kind of an enjoyment factor put the primary as the primary objective of the whole weekend. And everyone takes their racing seriously at any crementic race. Um, I thought after last year's quarter that I thought, you know what? The U.S. teams, the U.S. Uh, drivers and businessmen are going to look at this race and they're going to they're going to see just how great it was, how much fun people had. And I think we're going to see um, a, a massive increase in entries there because I think people over there were maybe a little bit unsure, you know, what's this Code 60 thing and, and all that goes with it. But I think that we're pleasantly surprised and we had a great race there, especially the split format. That was also something new, 24-hour race split into two. Um, yeah absolutely I uh, more the merrier but certainly having CJ Wilson along for the ride and the event will be fantastic
1: yeah and uh, we wish them the very very best uh, in that uh, and we'll be following them of course over on RS2 IMSA radio the uh, a place to go for all things IMSA and I, I should have said by the way that's where Shea's programmes are the Sebring Highlight Show brought to you by Cadillac on RS2 uh, tomorrow and um, Friday. Uh, tomorrow and Friday. Why can't I not get tomorrow? Th- why can't I get that into my head at the moment? I'm sorry, I am having a complete brain burp. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, next Tim, what do we have?
2: Uh, well, C.J. Wilson's news uh, has got lots of positive, uh, massive chatter on social bonkers. media. Uh, getting lots of negative chatter on social media on Sunday night was Austin Dillon.
1: Yes, uh, thanks to Free Sports in the UK, we could watch it uh, live and free uh, on the Telly Box. And um, I, have to, I, I watched the Xfinity race actually, uh, which wasn't live, but they showed uh, a very extended highlights programme pretty much straight after the race had finished. And I sat and watched that, having stayed away from it. That was very interesting with five overtimes in that race. Uh, the uh, 60th running. Of the Daytona 500. Mm, it was an interesting one, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, with, it was Dave Blaney, wasn't it? Who looked like he was going to win the Ryan the
2: Blaney. Uh, sorry. Dave Blaney long retired.
1: Yes, sorry. That's because I was listening at the weekend. Um, and Ryan Blaney looked like he was going to win and was unceremoniously removed from competition. Yes. But. Did you um, see it, Bradley?
2: No. No.
1: You didn't say the last laps of the 500.
3: I saw, um, I saw. what's his face, Austin Dillon uh, barge his way through. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, 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 no, that's uh, not racing.
2: They say rubbin's racing, that's not rubbing, that's <laughs> barging. A, a lot um, of people say that's exactly what uh, Dale Earnhardt would have done. That's obviously. rubbish. In the they, three they car. Dale also uh, ran in the number three car. 20, 20 years. 20 yeah. years ago since he won it.
1: And it was 20 years ago that day.
2: Uh, but obviously, if uh, that is the sort of thing that Dale would have uh, done, uh, why has he got so many second place finishes at the Daytona 500? He only won it the once. Yes, uh, and
0: uh, you know, but I think
2: he's got more seconds than anyone else. <laughs>
1: uh, it's different times now, as well. Though I mean, even if that is true, and I'm not sure it really is, uh, you know, you don't get a nickname of the Intimidator for nothing.
3: There's a difference between intimidation and assault. <laughs> and I should know.
1: <laughs> Says our legal expert. Yes. Said our streetwise legal <laughs> yeah. expert. Yes. Uh, it, uh, it was unfortunate. It'd been a pretty good race up until then. There'd been a yeah. couple of big incidents. Um, the cars, uh, You did. I know you didn't watch a lot of it, but the one thing I noticed, Tim, was... The cars looked pretty squirrely yes. uh, for, for large portions of the race. Not as bad as they had done earlier in speed weeks, but they still were moving around an awful lot. They got into three wide, what, lap three or four, which I really wasn't expecting to see. Um, big smashes early on. Um, people being a bit overly ambitious and overly aggressive early on caused some big crashes. Uh, took jimmy johnson out of it who i thought a 25 to 1 was a decent bet clearly that you
2: know what they were doing uh
1: danica patrick's final nascar race ended unceremoniously as she was involved in someone else's uh, accident as well in fact i think that was the same one that took um jimmy johnson out as well um it was slightly unsatisfactory for me, um, in in what was going on, certainly at the end, but it did look to me as though the cars were pretty difficult to hold on to.
3: which is probably what was behind the amount of shunts that we saw, because we're not we're not seeing. I mean, those if those cars are l- light and loose, then you know it's probably not a deliberate act to lose the car. You know, they well just,
1: NASCAR were pretty. The, the, the interesting works. thing about the Austin Dillon, um, Ryan Blaney, um, incident at the end. Was that NASCAR had already penalised people with stop-go penalties for what they call locked bumpers right. and doing sort of long-term bump drafting effectively, mm-hmm. Beca- and I, I think that was down to the fact that they knew the cars were um, unsettled. fairly unsettled, fairly loose, uh, and and yet that that one. Because it was the last lap, I suppose, they got away. It's the last lap. Who was
3: it that said that? those famous words about the, the Rolex 24 last year, 2017, when we had that last lap lunge? Yeah. And Elliot Forbes Robinson was the chief steward who yeah. made that decision. And he, steward, said, yep. and he said basically why he let it go was, it's the last lap of the Daytona 24 hours. And in the same token, it was the last lap of the Daytona 500. Yeah. For me, I'm sorry, but that's not racing. That is WWF wrestling. It's just that for me, the whole the whole race was uh, discredited. The whole race the whole race was undermined by that uh, by that incident.
1: Um, yeah. And how do you feel about the stage races, by the way? I like Racing that. I like that. The only thing that I think would make it better, because a lot of people say, "Oh, why do you know?" In some of the longer endurance races, you get interim points mm-hmm. um, in the North American mm. Endurance Series and in uh, at uh, other forms of racing. Um, why don't you get the dash for the line? Because we don't have a full course yellow straight after it.
3: That just spo- continue. Well, that spoils it. For me. I'll tell you why I like it. Right, when you watch a full NASCAR race on a Sunday evening, it takes up your whole Sunday night. You know, so um, I watch a few, but not many. And what I found is, you know, you get the lads around and we have, you know, an American themed NASCAR night, so you got hot dogs and stuff. So you chatting on, catching up and then oh hang on lads 20 laps to the to the first stage right there it is cross the line um into the kitchen restock on uh, on whatever your drink is beer you know a jd and coke and, mm. and another hot dog and then you come back in the race is restarted it and then you know chatting on chatting on oh hang on lads 10 laps to the next stage and it kind of it kind of it takes out the strategy
1: element of people but, stopping on but there's no point stopping. whatsoever
3: by putting it under a full course caution, and then now having a le- allowing everyone to pit, to pit,
1: exactly, and
3: then refuel and restart effectively completely restart. It's and that when we first saw that last year the Daytona 500, it was like, oh, this is this is good. This oh, hang on, what, what yeah, are they yeah. doing? What's Agreed. the rule? Yeah, and it's I think spo- they need spo- to take yeah. that
1: bit out. Take it out. Just the, go green. The best of it would be good. Uh, the
3: uh, or just continue racing. I mean,
2: we the driver who finished twenty second. Right. What was remark about him?
1: Uh, he was 60 years old.
2: He was 66 years old. 66.
1: He was running the 66 car. Yes. Wow. Score for us, yes. Off the pace. Mark Thompson. Uh, off the pace, Mark Thompson. Not, not
2: that much off the pace. How he, many laps down was he? He completed 203 laps, which was uh, four fewer than uh, Austin Dillon. Hmm. Uh. He's uh, someone who. Uh, is not the oldest driver ever to start a NASCAR race. No. In fact, he's not even the oldest driver to start it's the Daytona 500. 500. Yeah, correct. Uh, by a good decade.
1: Very interesting. Uh,
2: um, what did uh, Denny Hamlin achieve on uh, lap three?
1: He led some ridiculous amount of laps, didn't he? No?
0: No.
2: Uh, you're almost there, but I want the specific non-existent superlative straight out of the dictionary. Uh, I don't know. He became the leadingest driver ever. The leadingest driver ever. He
1: did not. He led the, he has now led the most laps in NASCAR history, has he?
2: Of active drivers. Of
1: active drivers, okay. Fine. Um. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, I. I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was great that we got it on free-to-air or free-to-view and I hope that Free Sports continue to do that. Obviously, their premier channel, which is a player channel here in the uh, UK, had it in uh, better quality in HD and they'll have the rest of the season. In the past, they have... Um, Done a cheap offer or a free-to-air offer on the HD. This they was did. a different way around. No, they, they had a pound, a pound for the first month. Didn't it, they? It's a pound for. Is it the first month? The first three months? Yeah, it might be right. Um, however, that whilst that might have helped the uh, the UK audience, generally speaking, the uh, audience in the US was down and yeah, I quite saw that. A, quite a degree, um, which makes. Uh, I think it's NBC who just put all the money down, didn't they, for NASCAR for the next however many years? That makes uh, their decision even more incomprehensible. Um, but you know, if NASCAR keep turning out good races, then maybe the audience will, will recover. I mean, it takes a lot out of a. It's Sunday... The biggest race of the year. The of
3: whole of Sunday after, like I've just said, the whole of your Sunday evening is taken up to take. Well, they're the not NASCAR all
1: 500-mile races, though.
3: They're not, but there's a, you know. Even the even the shorter races take up the whole all after whole evening. Well, you know, as a fan in the US, they're going to take up the whole day on Sunday, aren't they? Uh, this news in ju- the
2: summer when there's no other sport going on. Oh,
3: well, you're going true. to go outside if it's uh, if you're in a nicer
1: climate. Uh, this news just coming in. The responsible adult watching the news wires for us and has just put this on the screen in front of me. In fact, and now just retweeted it. Uh, many of you will uh, remember that we've spoken to the. Uh, well, who is now the president, or was up until recently, the president for North America, Raj Nair. He was the man behind the Ford GT uh, product and racing program. We spoke to him on Mobile One Radio Le Mans a couple of years ago um, when that car was reported to come in. Uh, this from the Reuters Newswire. Ford Motor Company said on Wednesday that its president for North America, Raj Nair, is leaving the company effective immediately following... Or an investigation into reports of inappropriate behaviour. The company said in a statement that its review had determined Nair's behaviour was, quotes inconsistent with the company's code of conduct. Uh, no uh, further comment from us on that, but that is uh, one of the architects, if not the, in some ways, one of the, uh, certainly one of the instigators of the Ford GT's return to motor racing in the recent past Raj Nair then uh, leaving the company immediately, in fact has left the company uh, immediately following an investigation into reports of inappropriate behaviour which has concluded according to that Reuters report that uh, Nair's behaviour was and I quote inconsistent with the company's code of conduct, something that we'll keep an eye on and see how that uh, affects just been promoted to president for North America, uh, what half a year ago or something like that uh, 7 minutes left on series 13 episode number 7 Tim Gray is up in London
2: our executive producer what have you got for us Tim? Uh, we haven't finished with NASCAR yet okay. uh, we've talked about Austin Dillon uh, barging his way to the win who did he uh, uh, knock out of the way to take that win? That's, wasn't Blaney? no um, the number 10 car of um, Clint Boyer? Aric
1: Amorola. Uh, sorry, sorry. I've just done the uh, highlights for Mumble on the Grid, which restarts this week. By the way, check local listings for details.
2: And uh, what uh, very nice food stuff is uh, Eric's sponsor? KFC. No.
1: Because <laughs> they've they won't be racing this week apparently.
2: Uh, no. Uh, any, uh, while you mentioned KFC, any race teams who are reliant on DHL to deliver their cars, KFC's probably not a great, uh, Advert for advert it. Advert for it, no. Can't deliver a chicken. No. Uh, Smithfield. Bacon.
1: Yes, Powered by Bacon it had on his, uh, I noticed that actually on the onboard, (laughs) on the wing of his seat it said Powered by Bacon. Bacon! It's not real
3: bacon in America though, is it? Uh, It's not really.
2: It might be Canadian bacon.
3: Hopefully.
1: Yeah,
2: ham. Moving on. Uh, Finally, who came second?
1: Nobody knows, nobody cares who came second.
2: Lewis Hamilton cares.
1: Really? Yes.
2: Does he? He sent him a good luck message before the race.
1: Really? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay, put me out of my misery.
2: The number 43 card of Bubba Wallace.
1: Ah. Right. Was that is was that his debut? Uh
2: it's the start of his first full season.
1: Ah. Yeah, yes, that's right. He was a, he was in the rookie contest last year. Yes. I, he, I remember uh, that now. He
2: came in mid-season as a replacement for someone who got injured. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, Listen to last week's show. We'll tell you.
1: She has just sent me a photo of her sitting in CJ Wilson Racing's NSX. Yes, me too. So we'll get that. Will be our uh, that will be on the, the website later on to go with this show. Uh, uh, what you, you mentioned you
2: the Xfinity race. Who won yep. that? Oh, who knows? Five people won it. Uh, that was Tyler Reddick.
1: Yep. that looks like it's going to be a decent season, actually. For the yes. and and what was interesting about that was I think it was the top eight places, and I'm doing this from memory. Um, I think the top eight places were uh, taken up by full season entrants.
2: That's good. Hmm. Uh, there was also the uh, Camping World Truck Series.
1: Didn't see any of that, but I know Crailsley did because he was there.
2: Uh, who won that? No clue. Johnny Sorter. Did he? Yes.
1: Ah, oldie but goodie.
2: Uh, Justin Haley was second and Joe Namichek was third.
1: Cam Walsh has just tweeted, says, I felt as though nobody would ever penalise or yell at the grandson of one of the most successful car owners on the 20th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt's victory in the same car number. So, as wrong as it might have been, it's just what it was. Okay. Yes. number of people uh, saying that.
2: Finally, with the Campbell World Truck Series, who kept on running to finish seventh?
1: Keep on running. Uh, the Spencer Davis group.
2: It was Spencer Davis, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, I saw where you I've worked with you for
2: far too long to let you get that one away uh, let's play a bit more oh no. No no no, no, no 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 we no, have finished yet Dot. not no. it's this one
1: Uh, don't MOT my Cortina That was wasn't it
2: I'll never pass
1: No I'll never pass uh, By the way Spencer Davies group uh, Steve Winwood uh, Yes And his brother Muff Brilliantly named uh, Why are we playing Don't MOT my Don't cry for me Argentina
2: Because Argentina wants to come back To the Formula 1 calendar
1: Yes Where so we
2: should. At the uh, Atletomo Juan y Oscar Galvez
1: you, just, you were dying for me to ask you that Just so you could do that Couldn't you uh, and uh, in what time scale would this be, Tim?
2: Next year. Really?
1: really? Mm.
2: To mark the 20th anniversary of the uh, last Argentinian gone through.
1: That's very interesting. And I'll tell you why that's very interesting. And I'm going to... Look, my Twitter handle, or the show's Twitter handle, is at atspecutainment. I'm going to put two and two together and get 157. I'm going to say that uh, I... Let me put it this way, I would not be surprised to see the FIA World Endurance Championship go to that circuit before they get a Formula One Grand Prix.
3: Well, being the correspondent for nostalgia, I'd like to see the Formula One World Championship start there. Then we go to Brazil, then we have three months off and then go to South Africa.
1: Kyle Army, for testing. Um, I'm not sure Kyle is a grade one circuit anymore now. Let's make it a great uh, one
2: the circuit. Drama, Juan y Galvez isn't a great one circuit at the moment, but anything can happen with some money. Carl Army True. has uh, said in the last couple of weeks, though, that it has uh, stopped its interest in hosting Formula One.
1: No, but they've, they've redeveloped the circuit. It's even, a
3: great circuit now. Let's be even more nostalgic. Let's go to East London. Mm. You remember that I'm far too young to remember the circuit. That's another South African circuit. That's yes, nothing yeah, to do with London. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with Argentina either. Oh, no, indeed. I'm going to start the season in Argentina, Tim. Is no. that what
2: oh, It's, it's got to be. It's still too early to say oh. that. Uh, why did uh, Argentina stop hosting Formula 1 races in the late 90s?
1: Because the, the circuit that they used to have it on was redeveloped into an industrial estate no, or no, something. Buenas no, Buenos Aires is still is
2: there. Jacropaguim was there. Uh, in
1: oh, that's right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I'm mixing up my South American countries yeah. now.
2: Yes.
1: No, Buenos Aires is still there. Yeah. It was
3: a shortened circuit the last time we any, went there.
2: Any other answers to the question? Um, they didn't pay Bernie enough money. And why didn't they pay Bernie enough money? They didn't have enough money. Because the country effectively went bankrupt and the uh, inflation was something like 4,000%. Mm.
1: Yes. Where I live in Northampton now, a county council's gone bankrupt, but that's nothing to do with inflation and everything to do with um, allegedly... Because of Silverstone. Uh, allegedly... Uh, Less than useful management, shall we say, once again, hind off in diploma, diplomatic shocker. Yes. Chief, Chief executive and 13 other uh, major managerial figures still earning uh, well over £100,000, though, um, which is nice.
3: So has Argentina's economy um, up. Re- recovered mm-hmm. enough for them to, and does Liberty Media think it would be a good idea? Because where, I don't
2: As believe the Argentinian they'd... economy has recovered enough, right. but uh, the government has uh, changed recently, and the new uh, government uh, thinks that this will be a great way of uh, revitalising the economy and uh, bringing lots of tourism to Buenos Aires. That's very true.
3: Mm. It's very true. Uh,
2: they are uh, emboldened by statements from Liberty saying that they want to embrace F1's heritage and expand the calendar.
3: So the circuit, what, what, the Oscar, whatever Galvez. Why
2: Oscar Galvez?
3: Yeah, is that Piney the original? Oscar. Is that a renamed original um, circuit where yes. we had the Grand Prix? All yes, right. Yes, in
2: 1953.
3: In 1953, not the not the 70s, 80s. Well, one. it
2: was still there in the 1970s and 80s, and up right. until 1998.
3: Of course, the original circuit that they used in the 70s was fab- fabulous. A bit like a sort of a, a, a Mallory Park on steroids, if you remember. they went.
2: Did it have a lake? Cause yes, it we had. We were talking about this the other yes, week, weren't we, lake. John? All good circuits lake. have a lake. It, it had, had a, lake. a
3: lake. It ran um, from the start. You went through a very fast right-left and then down a straight into a sweeping uh, right-hand curve that just went on and on and on. And I think it was called Curve On. Um, and it went around the lake and then back up the other side. And there was lots of mosquitoes in the lake, Yeah, apparently. it was very boggy place actually had the world sports car championship there
1: as well of course
3: and then into a kind of a a sort of a a very technical
1: stadium another short circuit though it's only 2.6 miles
3: without without the section that goes around the lake i couldn't imagine current formula one cars going around that old circuit because that that corner that curving what it's like about a 180 degree curve Around the lake in so sort of da- Gerard
1: style, down Gerard's the, corner style. Down the Fort far- Street. What's straight, that corner called? The Este Severo, or Severo. Then the uh, the Delfondo Strait, Then the Curva uh, Salotto, Curvan de Sa- Salotto. Then the Lake Strait, Then the Ascari chicane. And there's all the bits on the infield, which I'm presuming they're not going to use. There's a Senna S in there and a toboggan. Every circuit I, I'll a tell a you what, S. S. They, they used that bit there. This
3: doesn't work on radio, but they used that bit there and then went up there and then... And then through the... And then... Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah, very good.
2: Uh, and that's what we've got time for. Oh, uh,
1: OK. Uh, don't forget, thanks to Cadillac, Shane Adam will be reporting from the Sebring test uh, tomorrow at 10 and... Friday at 10. Thanks and to all our that guests tonight. Uh, and to, that's on RS2. On RS1 at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, it's this month's Torah Radio Show. And they'll be talking uh, about uh, their Sebring entries as well because they're getting ready to... In fact, I think they've just opened their entries for the Sebring 12 hours. So join the guys, uh, Matt and the guys, uh, on the air, 8 o'clock on RS1. RS2 is Shear's Seabring Show Brought to you by Cadillac because real racists don't take days off. Uh, that's all this time for tonight. No time to explain. The llama is off to Argentina.
0: <laughs> this program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at Radiolamont.com.